This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. Welcome to another edition of Turn Triple on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is the ultimate warrior to my renegade. It's, <laughs> it's Tempest. Hello, how are you doing? It's, it's funny you say that, you know, I was when I saw the renegade and I was watching some proper old WCW from like 94, I swear renegade did more moves than the warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, renegade will be featured in uh, today's show as well. <laughs> Spoilers. Very, very, <laughs> Very exciting. It's a three-hour documentary on Renegade. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Renegades and confused. <laughs> I'm going to call you, like, Pun King instead of Sun King. Um, which was a pun. I'm a pun king, baby! <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, last week's show, WrestleMania 12, went down well. Do we have questions? We do, actually. There's one of them was about WrestleMania 12, if we go to the questions early on. Let's just get to that. So... From Bob, and I think this is the one that you'll be able to answer best. Okay. Triple H got the Slammy for best hair in 1997. Mm. Who else do you think was in the running for that? <laughs> oh, now, I think it's ridiculous. Have you got the answer? No, I, don't, I, All right. I didn't even know. I presumed it was a bullshit award, no. so you could just tell us who had No, no, it was a fan phone in you choose. Like, um, sure it was. <laughs> Like, uh, you can vote on a match. No, no, they did. And it goes, woo, and the bars go up and down, and they're fucking lying. All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, um, no, I think it was, like, ridiculous ones, like Steve Austin. Or bald You, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> people with stupid hair and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I would have to do a bit of research. But, um, yeah, no. Out of your opinion, if you're judging it. What, who would win best hair in 97? Mm. Well, like you say, Triple H had a lovely head he of hair. He did have a lovely <laughs> hair, didn't he? Like a horse's... You know, tail. Yeah. Um, he used his mane and tail. <laughs> um, ooh, 97. Yeah, no, I would go with Triple H. You can't argue. No, you really he can't did, argue. really did have lovely hair, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> a question from Dale that we will both struggle with. Okay. A lot of people are calling for Cesaro to be pushed. Who do you think should be pushed and why? Now, I don't know how well-equipped I am to answer this because I've virtually never watched the modern product, so I don't know who's being pushed mm-hmm. and who of their own products are good. Like I know, I, I know bits and bobs. Like, if we were going to create, like, Turn Chuckle Wrestling Federation, mm-hmm. like, I guess I would take and push Adam Cole, uh, you can't fault AJ Styles, really, and Tommaso Ciampa for the men and for the women, probably... Kari Sane, um, what's the super hard mixed martial artist chick called? She's scary as shit. Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler. And you're finding out how little we know about. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, people. Like as you probably noticed, since everything we talk about from the eighties and nineties, <laughs> we don't really know a lot about. What's I'm kind on. of like, how do you feel about Matt Riddle generally? Because like, I think that I mean, they're making a fool out of him, but part of me thinks he likes being made a fool of. 
I'm or, or burned the, on him from that event we were going to when he was booked for the two days, and that was why me and Bob were going, and then he was pulled out at the last minute when WWE was signing up <laughs> everybody and making them cancel all of their indie dates on the spot. I mean, do you think they did that with everyone, though? Because AJ wrestled in five-star in front of 200 people. I think it was more they were fucking over WCPW, (laughs) weren't they? Because they were like, remember when, like, before we knew Patron was a fucking monster when he, like, turned up the day after his release and cut a shoot promo in Newcastle and stuff. So, like, they were pretty hot in WWE, like, we're squashing that. Like, (laughs) we'll create a new brand just so yours is gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we're not going to even be competition. It's like, we don't care. We don't care. Die. (laughs) Everything is competition. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So I mean, so they they are who you would. They they're who I would push. I'm I'm sorry for only picking two ladies. I just don't know enough about who's there at the minute. I do love women's wrestling, but yeah. I'm just not sure what's going. People speak very highly of that them, um, Shotzi Blackheart. I, I think I need to see some of her right. from the little clips I've seen. She looks like she's pretty cool, mm. but like I just don't know. Well, yeah, and I mean, to me, uh, from I'll. I'll not exactly watch full shows anymore, but I'll watch like the odd result or whatever, or it, the pay per view. I'll have it on in the background if I'm, you know, I, and I, I'm sorry to the rest of BBG because I know they review this stuff, but they brought us on knowing that we do not. Know. No, we are the old gadgets. <laughs> and and we do appreciate. They anyone. make funnies, but they don't make monies. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who listens to any of the BBG shows who are listening to us, we're certainly we're not we're not the type of show to just slag off modern wrestling. No, no, definitely even, we just don't know about. Even it. if we don't, even if we're, I mean. If, if it's so ridiculous, we might say something about it. But like, like Matt Riddle's birds augmented reality <laughs> flying out of his ass, or the fucking Strowman Choo Choo Express. Like, I've what's t- worse than a giant strong man running in circles around a ring and bumping into people, adding train sounds? Did they get rid of that? Because I hope so. I don't think I don't they had know. it at Mania, but they they are sticking with the Riddle bird. We get an unfair view where people will just show a tiny video of something that's the worst thing you've ever fucking seen on Twitter, and then we don't have. Did you see context? I mean, so again, though, it might not be as bad as it appears. No, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it he, j- he jumps in the air, and birds fly out of his ass. I, I did like, see that clip, and uh, <laughs> I wondered which one of us was meant to be stoned, him or me. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you? I mean, this is kind of all all news, like dated news now. But did you see when Riddle was backstage with Vasca and he forgets his lines and he's just like, I don't know, and just walks. Oh, out. is it? Oh, yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> Scooters, bro. Whoa, man. I, I don't fucking know. And he just walks off laughing. And I was like, it, it, I didn't know if that was like, you know, when Russo had Goldberg being like, I tell you what, Vince, I'm not going to stick to the script. And your eyes roll so far back, they fall out your arse. <laughs> so I didn't know if it was something like that. Well, the thing is, I mean, the um, the everyone was like, oh, they're going to fire Riddle. They're gonna, he's going to get in trouble. He's going to get... He's, he's, been used quite well. Like, mm. you know, they, they haven't Didn't they say Pritchard him. and McMahon thought it was funny so they left it in? I guess. I mean, Vince, I can see Vince loving the idea of Matt Riddle. Like, yeah. just this stoned... F- fucking idiot. Because it, it's kind of like 90s, 80s stoner film, like Cheech and Chong, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, I love all that shit. It's good shit, Something tells it? me that... Choice of words. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> Sorry. You can uh, yeah no I can see him loving Riddle like but obviously then also ruining him by him but right it, that could have been Riddle's idea you never know who knows but uh, so for it's me- like when people are all being addicted to Taya Valkyrie there you go push Taya Valkyrie because I love her I forgot she just signed her mm. people were shitting on her for having a different name because she changed her name and I can't remember what she changed it to but she was like I fucking chose this name <laughs> and everybody's being like oh you're being buried you idiot she's like how it it's was a, my idea it's the same with everyone Kevin Owens uh, Kenta 
you know, I know people mocked his, he chose it because it yeah. meant something to him. I think they like pushed it. There. What's your son's name? Call yourself yeah, that. Yeah. Who's your favorite wrestler? Call yourself that. But uh, Frankie Frankie Money. That's what she was called now. Frankie Moon is from. <laughs> no, no, right. Monet, like the guy who paints lilies. Or paints lilies. <laughs> I think he's been dead for a while. <laughs> you know what? That leaves open as well, though. Go on. Then. Well, when she left Impact, they did a funny little angle where Tommy Dreamer realised she was set up. She set up the attempted murder of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck got shot again? Johnny Bravo. And uh, they were like, she was like arrested and taken out, and they were making jokes about how she was going to AEW or WWE. But like in kayfabe. Taya Valkyrie is arrested and gone to jail. She could be Frankie Money in NXT for ages. Then if she leaves, it can be like, oh, Taya Valkyrie's got out the nick. Yeah, she is, and she's back. She come in and appear a jumpsuit in that with a dog in a jumpsuit. It would be great. Makes sense. It makes sense. Like if you know someone could come back, then have like yeah, a soap opera style story. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, so yeah, for me, I, it, the thing is, I, it's hard for me to say who's getting pushed and who's not, only because. It seems like every to me. It seems like everyone on the roster has already been WWE champion now, and it's like mm-hmm. you, you and go. And there's so many belts. You, go, you know? That's true. And you Which go, world champion are you? There's <laughs> three. Very true. <laughs> and it gets to the point though when like people don't even they've had the belt and it doesn't even get referenced during a match anymore, like former world champion or anything like that. And you know, um, yes, yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I know more. What even constitutes a push when the brand is more important than the talent? Well, that's, yeah, that is true. I mean, Miz, he won the belt this year and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be, they were even thinking him and Bad Bunny at Mania for the belt, which probably would have drew more, to be fair. And it was... It would be a shame for the Miz to not be as good at wrestling as a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, he wasn't in the match because he lost. <laughs> and this Aye. and this DJ did more, but it, it, okay, I mean, this has been talked about as well, but like he was so accomplished in the ring that it's ruined every other wrestler <laughs> celebrity match going forward. Like, ever. They're not meant to know how to wrestle. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? All they do, do moves shitely or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. But people are like, oh, no, it's great. And it's just like... We're a long way removed from Tony Schiavone coming live on air <laughs> because fucking Carl Malone's done an arm drag. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, 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 did you see that arm drag? You're like, all right, Tony. Well, they made the point when Lawrence Taylor wrestled that he was trained by Diesel and it was just like... <sighs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like qualifying at the Ultimate Warrior training school, isn't it? <laughs> What did he teach him for a finish? The hair flick or the not turn up? <laughs> he did a signature move, drinking a pint backstage. <laughs> he did a jackknife on Bigelow. And Bigelow, I mean, he, Bigelow should have won a job for life for <laughs> like carrying Lawrence Taylor through that. Jobbing for life. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes the power bomb, but like Lawrence Taylor can't get him up. Bigelow's doing the flip for him basically, uh, and then he lands on his ass, and he's like, Vince is like, he learned that from Diesel. And it's like, he should you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pick him up and whatever, and just collect just like your check and, just, you know, <laughs> and brush your hair. He's like, got flat top, doesn't matter. Brush, brush your flat top. Flick it, flick it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Anyway, because um, you haven't really done much wrestling stuff this week. I've done absolutely fuck all. Apart from the show, which apart you... from the show, which I've done like. 20 hours worth of wrestling <laughs> which is about uh, war games from 95 to 2000 don't turn off um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will explain that we do still have another question left we'll oh yeah our, yeah that was our thing. short answer to their long winded question wasn't it so. <laughs> uh, Brian said you said you're not a fan of a move being passed down oh, that was me uh, apart from Carl <laughs> Malone here he is again <laughs> With the diamond cutter, can you think of any good examples of a move being passed down? 
I would say the to me it's usually rubbish in the same way as calling a tag team either the new insert old tag team or old tag team two thousand. Mm. I usually find passing the move on shit, but I would say Natalia doing the sharpshooter because it's not so much passed down; it's more just paying tribute to our family lineage. Mm-hmm. Or in a similar fashion, uh, Charlotte Flair doing a like modified version of the figure four, you know, that bridge to make it a figure eight or something. Yeah. Like again, that's not so much passed down, but it's a family tribute. So I'd say those two are times where. But in a way, though, that kind of is passed down because it's it the literally family. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't some fucking bullshit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to like sort of rip apart the. Co- I get what you mean. Like it's not like Kevin Owens doing the stunner, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And terrible and. Just... Q T Marshall doing. Anything, but I mean, Cootie Marshall's <laughs> doing a fucking diamond cutter. I'm like, of all the people to pass it on to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. Uh, this uh, week's episode is War Games from '95 to 2000. Again, don't turn off. Um, <laughs> um, I love you. Know War Games is a fucking great event. Can't always watch Bin Men every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the War Games for people not familiar. It was uh, Dusty Rhodes' creation in the late '80s for NWA. Where you had two rings and two cages and two teams against each other. And then after one member of each team starts the fight, five minutes in, there's a coin toss, which is inevitably always won mm-hmm. by heels. Was it ever the face? Ever. Not that I can remember. Right. Like, I mean, it would make no sense. It would be because like... it spoils it the drama. But then you start to think like, okay, and the heels have got their double tails coin out. <laughs> They've called tails. <laughs> but yeah, apparently... Dusty was influenced by the Mad Max Thunderdome, which I've never really been able to understand since it was like two men enter, one man leaves, and it's like there's ten people and <laughs> this and there's two cages, and it's really nothing fucking like the Thunderdome at all. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I guess there's a few times where you get like a gigantic simpleton <laughs> participating, so that can seem like the Thunderdome. But other than that, I'm wondering no. if there's one gigantic simpleton per match that we could. <laughs> Out. We should give awards to like gigantic simpleton of the match, like you know. the, the elegante award <laughs> or the Sid award. <laughs> the gimmick did survive when Jim Crockett Promotions was purchased by TBS and made in WCW, and became pretty much an annual event until WCW closed. The reason I wanted to do this is that Cody Rhodes is bringing back the gimmick, though it's changed to blood and guts for copyright reasons, because MLW sold the copyright to WWE. Did they really? I did not know that. Aye, they did an how ex- did they get the copyright? I can't remember how they got it, but they did a like extreme horseman one during that feud in 2003, where it was like the, that hardcore battle thing. And now who's working together? Aye, you know? I know. Yeah. Synergy. <laughs> but uh, yes, AEW are going to be doing one on TNT. So, given that there's a Wednesday Night War one coming out, I thought we could do the ones that were on the TNT era of the Monday Night Wars. So, we'll cover 95 to 2000. That is true. I mean, the war's over, though, isn't it? It is, but I know. Merry Christmas. (laughs) The war's over. Um, No, I know what you mean. Sorry, I'm just being dick. Um, So, um, there were house show versions of these. There were, yes. In the 80s, this was a Great American Bash touring event, predominantly. There's a good box set of them on DVD and Blu-ray that if you want to see some of the 80s ones because they are the best. And they've got a load of them on there. There's not that many on the network. They've got the terrible Tower of Doom one. <laughs> and they've got one of the ones from 87, I want to say. But right. there's like footage of numerous ones from 87 to 89. Was the very first one the pay-per-view? Or did they try it out beforehand? No, I don't think it was on a pay-per-view. I think it was just oh, part uh, of the Great American Bash no, Tour. Right, It okay. wasn't a pay-per-view initially. Okay. 
that was you know back when they were getting like David Allen Coe and Waylon Jennings and oh, stuff, and it was like a, a a day event, like a festival type thing. Yeah, they must have so much of that footage. That oh, it could, must be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> again, we'll not get into why we're here. The network. Sometimes. <laughs> I love. I love. It's a very love hate relationship with the network on my end. But uh, yeah, no, the oh, it, it it hurts. <laughs> think of some of the footage that they could put on there that they just won't. I know. Uh, I would love to get all those great American bash tours up, like. Yeah. So, we <laughs> we don't start with the best. I'm afraid. <laughs> we start in 1995, which, as you know, is a year that I fucking hate. Because WCW and WWF are both honestly mostly shite. But I love 1995 WWF. You love shite. <laughs> we uh, we start with. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Sting and Lex Luger versus... Right, great team, can't go wrong. <laughs> but it turns out you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Against Kevin Sullivan's team, the Dungeon of Doom, which comprised of the Shark, the Zodiac, <laughs> Meng and Kamala. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan's band of misfit toys. And uh, Meng uh, replaced... Because what month was this? This is in September. It's actually the first pay-per-view of the Monday Night Wars. It's not just the first war yeah, games of the Monday Night really Wars. Yeah, just come back, hadn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he's not long back at all. But uh, Meng replaced uh, Vader, who uh, they said was AOL. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> fuck those guys. AWL. He was the yeah. guy out of MIA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vader wasn't there, basically. Um... <laughs> And the replacement were men. And um, so, to be fair, solid choice. Choose one muckle hard guy for a different one. <laughs> and there was a there was a stipulation to this match, wasn't there? There was. Yes, the stipulation to this match were that if Hogan's homies won, that <laughs> he would get five minutes alone, Pantera style. Yeah. In the cage with Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> right. Okay. I always found those stipulations weird because it's like, how do you force that? It's like if Sullivan's team lose, now get in the cage, Kevin. No. <laughs> the, um. Before this, the because uh, I mean you see all of the build up with Hogan going through the you know um, the caves and shit and oh dear God going. yeah and there's a there's a, a particular promo that Kevin Sullivan does where he's sat on the floor and he's just like you know I'm crazy that and just like and he's like beating up this is what I'll do to Hulk Hogan and he hits the Hogan figure with a shovel and he's like <laughs> the, it's a very forced laugh from Kevin Sullivan he's like ah, ha, 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 ha. and then it'll cut to him just going I'm crazy you know. Um, <laughs> And just like really bad editing on purpose, it seems like it's, there's no way you would. I mean, they may have, but like, um, it just felt like it, they'd forgotten any production. ability to make TV. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then it cuts to Tony and Bobby, how, and it's just like, fu- oh, how gosh, fucking like, hilariously PG are the threats that Kevin Sullivan makes. There's one point where he's like, these dastardly insults that he's doing as you see a montage of his evil raggy dolls in the background. But he's like, your scalp will smoke and boil. Soon, your hearing will go. I was like, you just telling him he's getting old? Like, they're basically like, after this cage match, Hogan, you will be inflicted with eczema and the aging process. <laughs> Oh, it cuts back to Tony and Bobby, and they're like, right. What the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> Bobby is, I, and I don't want to cast aspersions, but I think he's steaming. <laughs> you did see, can you fucking blame him? You, you can just feel like this is almost like they're trying to sell it on that old Army of Darkness from Florida. Yeah. But <laughs> just, dear God, like, this is even worse than the also wank 
three faces of fear <laughs> that Sullivan was involved in with Beefcake. But for some reason, it's like, imagine the army of darkness, but swap Satanism for Sesame Street. <laughs> Everybody is just some weird clownish creature. I mean, the Dungeon of Doom, mercifully not featured in this match, no. also included a fucking leprechaun at one point. This is true. Yeah, I forgot about that. They yeah. are one of the lowest points in WCW <laughs> history, and that's saying something. But I guess though, what there's nothing else you could really do for war games in terms of you know they'd built it up, so they've got to blow it off. And, uh, and to be fair, as well, as bad as 1995 is, for the most part, this fall brawl is actually a good pay per view. Yeah. Oh, the undercards. They've got Flair Anderson and. Uh, yeah, Johnny the, B. Bad and Pillman. Like the, the, the Colonel Pittman match aside, <laughs> it's a, or Sergeant Pittman or Corporal Pittman or whatever the hell he was. Yeah, I never got behind him. But like apart well, the, from that, what did he call the Cobra? His opponent came out to uh, Morse code. Yeah, Inspector yeah, Morse he did. <laughs> Do you know what? As well, he should have been in Hogan's team because for for some reason they all come out dressed as like pound shop GI Joes, don't they? <laughs> You told me something. I took a screenshot of Sting, uh, and he's smiling like with the the, the uh, green camo. Faint. And you were like, "That was what it would look like if Sting's face appeared in some mushy peas." I <laughs> <laughs> like when you get Mother Teresa in, in like some soup. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's no, so, um, oh, the. There's something you can probably help our listeners with here. Go on. Because I imagine a lot of people, with good reason, don't know the Dungeon of Doom. But they might not realise that they actually already know the Zodiac and the Shark. <laughs> Would you care to tell us at all about Zodiac and Shark? Yes, no, yes, no. Um, <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, had he already been the booty man at this point? My timeline's uh, all over this. No, that he is the booty man after it is discovered that he was never really the Butcher or the Zodiac. He was a secret spy planted by Hulk Hogan all along. So now he can evolve into his character that is obsessed with bombs. Makes sense. Well, no, the thing, so they do acknowledge the character changes between Butcher to... They do. Well, better than... It's another thing where it, it makes you know sense, I mean? but it doesn't make it good. Because <laughs> the thing is, though, like, beefcake... It's beefcake, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes, Brutus Beefcake... He's still got the cut-out holes on his arse and stuff like that as the Zodiac. So it's, it's not easy like access. Hiding in, oh. <laughs> he's hiding in plain sight, I guess. Um, but yeah, and Shark is... Uh, he's not a fish. Um, <laughs> not a fish. Yeah, he's a, he's a, Yeah, no, John Tenter, Earthquake and... Um, also Avalanche when they were being really lame. Yeah. They're like, we're going to bring in Earthquake and he is Earthquake, but you can't call him Earthquake. This is Avalanche. Gale Force Wind. Which makes him no longer a natural disaster because you can actually make an Avalanche. Very true. God, <laughs> you should have been there at the time. You would have blown some fucking mind. I like the idea, though, that they went through different weather conditions and just were like... <laughs> <just> sleet. <laughs> Can you imagine if you was just the hail man? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, no, Meng, obviously. Uh, Meng, you might also Haku. know as Haku, but, I mean, he was great as Meng as well. He, yeah. Like, he just was great always. He really <laughs> He's was. still great now in New Japan, even in the small roles that he plays, isn't he? <laughs> he just, he is good. Yeah, well, he looks exactly the same. He still looks like he'd kill you with I'd, his little finger. I'd, I don't really want to insult Meng in case he somehow snaps off my front teeth. So <laughs> <like>. <laughs> right, I've got to say, if, if there's one immediate criticism about this, which I would have changed, is Dusty should have been on commentary for this as well. Because <laughs> it's so bad. Can you imagine his contributions? Oh. Get rid of Mike Tanay. Isn't he the other one? I love... No, no, it's just Tony and Bobby. Oh, it's just Tony and Bobby. Mike Tanay's the one. I've... I love Mike Tanay, but if the match is terrible, I don't want him to tell us facts. Mm. I want to hear 
dusty roads make no sense. Well, that's, it, it feels like throughout this match, this big blow-off match, which is meant to have loads of tension to it, I mean, it, it doesn't help that it's all so shite, but they run out of things to say a lot of the time. Aye. And they just drift off into conversations about nothing. Do you know how you can really tell that? There's a moment which should be quite good where Sting goes to slam the shark. He doesn't doesn't get cold, does it? He he picks him up and he's like, and he's too heavy and he does that thing where you then fall over and you get like splashed. Right. And Bobby Heenan just starts talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. (laughs) And he's like, don't break my back, my achy breaky back. And I was just like, no, Bobby, no. (laughs) He does slam him through it in it though and it barely gets referenced. Yeah, after he's already been struggling before and then when he pulls it off, they don't mention it. I mean, he hooks up, obviously. Uh, It makes no sense for muscle. I can't lift this weight, so on my fourth time of trying, when I've fatigued every muscle in my body, clearly I'll be able to. But like, it's like wrestling logic though. Like In reality, selling doesn't make sense because in a real fight, you'd never fucking sell. That's true. Um, So yeah, Gene, uh, when he passes it to Tony and Bobby... um, uh, he shits the bed and he, uh, he doesn't call them faces of fear he calls them like faces of doom or something like that and it's just and <laughs> you can tell you can just tell immediately and uh, and then you've got uh, you've got Buffer um, who loves the sound of his own voice because he's just like here in my hand in my right hand I am holding the rules the rules of war games which I am now going to explain I love my vocal tone <laughs> and so do you so he does he uh, explains the rules and everything and uh and what I, something that I do like about this, which I and they don't do this every year after this, but um, they don't come down to that entrance theme. They just come down to the war games theme. There, there is something like that every year, isn't there? Not, not every year. Um, we'll get into it because um, the, and there's a reason. Maybe I think it's the '98 one where there's not, isn't it? If we'll go through it, I'll remember. Oh no, the 2000 one definitely doesn't, but fuck me, there's a lot to cover on that. We'll, we'll stay in timeline. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, uh, Buffer goes through the rules and then uh, we'll make a start. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> what a start. <laughs> I never really understood the Zodiac character at all. Like, the butcher was shit, but I understood it was like, they said, like, Brutus Beefcake. Well, he went, he's butchered that friendship with Hulk Hogan when he turned on him. So he became the butcher as the leader of the Three Faces of Fear. Didn't even think about it. I, I just lame, it was because it was cutting. It, said, like, it would yeah, make sense. But, scissors, cleavers, I guess. Yeah. But, like... I've never got the Zodiac. He's just some kind of painted, <laughs> tassely Beetlejuice who says yes, no, yes, no all the time. Like, what? It, surely it can't be meant to be the Zodiac killer. Like, he fucking wouldn't have gone undetected if that was what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. I mean... Why was Kamala there? You know, it's like sometimes it's like monster gimmicks. Well, I guess a shark isn't really a monster. Like, Meng had a monster heed on sometimes when he was in mm. the, the... But, like... Kamala's not a monster, he's just foreign. No, well, he was billed as, like, Ugandan giant, wasn't he? And he's kind of, within that context... They didn't mention that there, that he's, he's, no. he's just a guy in a leopard print skirt with titty paint. Like, that's not being a monster. <laughs> how right? you present it, though. But like, I'm talking about how they presented oh, okay. him. It's nothing wrong with Kamala as a performer, it's WCW's presentation of him. Yeah, no, He's just enough. thrown in. It's it, like, foreign, savage, monster, that'll work. It seems to stand out in the way that he's the only one that doesn't have a new alias. You yeah, know that's what I mean. Like, Everybody's is... changed to make them Dungeon of Doomy, and here's Kamala. Yeah. Um, it is quite weird. And the thing is, he didn't... Kamala in WCW is one of those weird ones to me where it doesn't look right. Um, it doesn't to me as well. I yeah. think he seems wrong there. Um, but there is like there's a connection because he was managed by uh, King Curtis Ikea, Sullivan, my son, in, and w- in WWF. And isn't he the flying magic granddad on a throne? <laughs> And he wasn't at this event? 
No, he wasn't. Sadly. Um, so they must have saved that for a bigger deal. <laughs> you, d- you did get Kevin Sullivan in his closeted home, uh, Hulkamaniac. He said home <laughs> In his closeted Hulkamaniac dressing gown. This is bright red and yellow. And he's all, I hate Hulk Hogan. I hate everything about Hulkamania. You're dressed like him. There was nothing. You're even going bald and bleach blonde. Yeah, there wasn't really anything demonic about him, really, after... 82, 83, wasn't it? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, uh, do they come in one at a time, team-wise? Because they're, they're all at ringside for this, aren't they? Because that would be a thing the, that they would get rid of eventually. This one, they are still, like the tradition, they're all at ringside. Like the tradition, the heels win, so the hoobs of horror get their first <laughs> entrance to make it 2 on one <laughs> Did you notice that they never get the advantage? Because they're against, like, Sting's super friends. Even when they have the extra number, they just get kicked shitless all the time. Mm. That my only real criticism of this as a match, not the actually terrible story, is just that I never felt like the faces are in peril in this at any point. And I feel like because of this, out of the one, every one that we're going to review, including 2000, this is the one that the crowd are into the least. It, it's um, the and most... it's overcomplicating it as well. It's the whole thing of WCW doing angles for TV that they don't explain to the audience. Aye, and, definitely. And the audience it's just, just so tepid, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the audience are not in on a lot of this. They hear, I, I still call like 95 that I call it Vegas wrestling, where they know the big names and they'll show up for that and as long as Hogan comes out and does something... And for some reason, Hogan's big entrance is to throw ice and sugar at everybody. <laughs> it's like, and here comes the Hulkster, and he just runs round, and he's like, and I'm going to frost you, and I'm going to frost you, and you're not evil anymore, frosted! And he just like covers everybody in loads of sugar. And I'm like, that'll teach them, Terry. They could be diabetic. <laughs> did, did you see when Hogan shits himself on him? You mentioned shit the bed. <laughs> There's a bit right where... Hogan comes in, right, with the you get together with Luger, Hogan and Luger, and they throw the Zodiac. They've got like their backs to the cage, so there's no one near them, and they've thrown Zodiac. Luger pats Hogan on the back and Hogan shits himself like Who's behind me? <laughs> 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 it's so funny. His first contributions really are to turn everybody into cakes and then shit himself. <laughs> it's a coat wearing off. <laughs> Maybe that was the payoff for the Dungeon of Doom. Big handful of cocaine for you. Big handful of cocaine for you. And he's boffing them all. He's like, we can get through this bullshit if we're all really high. <laughs> so yeah, throughout the match, um, one thing I don't like about it, and they did, it was a good thing that actually Russell brought in, but he definitely took from WF, was putting the clock on the screen. So you yeah. didn't have the, I mean, it's still, Penzer at the time still counted down. No, um, Buffer, sorry. Buffer does it, I. And it's just like, God, like, here comes Hulk Hogan now to make it free against four. It's just commentate the whole thing, why don't you? you know, yeah, like, I know. I'm, I'm not a fan of when Buffer talks over matches. I love the, like, ladies and gentlemen beginning. Because it makes it feel all big. you want But from he, a, like, he should go away. I'm sure he wanted to go away afterwards. Like, if you... Quite possibly. If you announced big box events, as he was doing at the time, then you've got the dungeon of dumbass <laughs> against Hogan's homies in the cage. Just, you, you just wonder what you're doing with your life. I, you can't have much of that stuff written down as well because he was like, here comes the king of Hulkamania. <laughs> just like, where, where have you got that from? Like, just... <laughs> um, maybe, maybe Hogan shitting himself when he said king of Hulkamania just made us think of <laughs> how lame he was with Lex Luger before. And he pats him <laughs> on the back. Maybe he thought, because like, you know, Lex Luger just turns face and heel all the time. He's like, Flexi, Lexi's, Flexi, Lexi's gone to the dark side. <laughs> just felt a touch on the back. He's like, I'm going to get racked. <laughs> I should have powdered him as well. I'm, I'm guessing this was the end of this feud. 
mercifully. But it really is not. Oh, God, I would God. love to say right. it was. <laughs> um, inevitably, okay. Hogan's team win when Hogan has beefcake on all fours frantically crying, yes, no. So I don't know how you could tell if you've given up or not. Do you give up? <laughs> yes, no, yes, no. It's like, well, 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 is it like mastermind? Do you have to go on his first answer? But yeah, they lose because of Brutus beefcake there. <laughs> and the five minutes alone with Kevin Sullivan mm-hmm. are inevitably broken up. Because uh, Giant... It's what you want as a pay-per-view uh, blow-off, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, no, to, for not to blow it off. Yeah. Uh, Giant comes and busts in, does a sprightly little hop over the ropes that I thought was quite impressive. Yeah. And yeah, then he proceeds to massage Hulk Hogan's traps <laughs> for a few minutes, pulls him in to breastfeed him, and then <laughs> pretends to break his neck. And somehow they think that him like breaking Hogan's neck isn't enough to A, have Hogan out for a long time and or ever because he should be dead but he, he shrugs off this manly mammary gland murder very quickly so in the weeks and months to come the dungeon have to resort to worse measures like shaving off his moustache <laughs> breaking his neck wasn't enough let's shave his moustache that's I'm honestly, where the power is like... I'm, I'm surprised Brutus Beefcake didn't become like Brutus the Turkish barber Beefcake <laughs> <laughs> and it's like no one can survive the hot towel shave. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Do you I'm... want aftershave? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, because this is building up the Halloween havoc, isn't it? The monster truck. The monster truck yeah. mambo. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well the, the thing is, well, like, because uh, I keep trying to forget about this. Um, Me too. Passing yeah. him off as Andre's son, and Bobby. They're still like, oh, very much. Not, ah, this, this feels familiar. <laughs> Fuck me, no. But the thing is, though, I mean, all right, I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate here because, like, he looks incredible, Big Show, Paul White in '95, Mm. the Giant, and it's like the only person you can compare him to is Andre anyway. Mm -hmm. But he's doing leapfrogs over the top rope, and he's yeah, his drop kick looks sweet and that. So it's just like that's not comparing to Andre. What if he's just a giant? (laughs) Everybody else, we're meant to believe are actual monsters in that. So why don't you just bring the only person who could have passed as a monster in the past? They don't make be a monster. They make him be the son of Andre. Mm. It makes no sense. Do you remember when he joined the NWO and the first thing Nash said to him on commentary was like, are you Andre's uh, son? (laughs) 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 He he, he, like, no sells it completely. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's it's kind of weird because um, we're doing these events and we're not going to follow up on them. (laughs) Yeah, but don't worry, we will cover that Halloween havoc on another day because there is... We had Halloween. Okay. We'll do some treats for you at Halloween. <laughs> By treats, I mean we will be horrible about some very shit stuff. Oh, uh, so yeah. But one thing I find interesting though is to see the evolution, and then you could say, you know, the fall maybe like by two thousand, but even though not the worst for where uh, war games match. This not by far. If you class it as a war games match, it's you know if we had to. Class we'll, it, we'll skip ahead. We're, we're skipping ahead. We will get to those in in order. But what I like sort of going forward is the crowds get bigger. Mm-hmm. The production gets better. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You yeah, actually, definitely. They know what they're you doing. You see more. progress. You do see progress. Um, even just the lighting, the way the cage is dropped, even Michael Buffer, what he says and stuff like that. When they start giving them the cue cards and that. Aye. That's one thing I noticed. And by War Games 97 or 98, he's even got War Game themed cards that he's yeah, on. Yeah, he you does. With so the little tanks on the back of that. Little like a game like show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, so we're, we're moving on to uh, 96. So, after. As I say then, that is a really bad time for WCW creatively, <laughs> but that War Games match is passable and the pay-per-view is actually good. Like, yeah. If you're stuck for something to do, 
you can do worse than watching Fall Brawl 95. Go watch Uncensored 95. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there is nothing worse. Apart from maybe Uncensored 96. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, okay. At Fall Brawl 96, we are now embroiled deeply in the NWO versus WCW storyline. It's crazy, isn't it? This is like, It feels like a different company. Like, they couldn't be more different. Like, compare the video package about the NWO going to war with the WCW to the video package of Kevin Sullivan telling Hogan <laughs> he's going to need a hearing aid. Like, it's just so different. Yeah. And the thing is, though, with this, like, Hogan isn't um, being presented as past it and stuff like that. Now he's, like, the... He's the, the most dangerous heel in the world all it, of a sudden. Yeah, it, it is crazy. Um, and this is still early, relatively early days of the NWO. Bischoff hadn't joined by that point, so DBS. They're only still, three or four months in, so it's still pretty hot. Mm-hmm. So I, I still had to think of like who definitely was in at this point. I don't think even Virgil mm. uh, Vincent had shown up by this point yet. Um, but I would have thought. Out of I mean, out of all the modern war games, the nineties war games, uh, including I mean, I love the Dangerous Alliance one and everything, but I think this is probably the most in terms of what is on the line, in terms of like the storyline building up to it, because wasn't the the thing coming from this NWO got more of their demands met? Mm-hmm. If um, there were stakes and there was a genuine rivalry and there was heat, that's what a war games really oh, needs. It's like night and day compared to ninety five, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I I know they had an angle going in on ninety five. So it wasn't completely cold, but it was a terrible one. Whereas this one is actually really good. And the stipulation, I don't know if you'd call it a stipulation, the outcome, basically, what you get for winning it, mm-hmm. is followed through on. Not like where you get bait and switched with the Kevin Sullivan thing. You send up with Paul Whitebreast for eating all Hogan instead. Like, this is not what I paid for. So who are the teams in 96? In 96, you have Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair and Sting versus mm. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and Sting. Yes, unadvertised uh, because of this was the very start of um, the the Crow, the very, very start, because Fake Sting showed up the week before, beat up Luger. That's right, and, yes. And uh, everyone was like, well, what you doing, Steve? If you know what I mean? If you've, uh, you know, it's just like, what, what me? Um, and, you know, and um, Sting shows up last minute for the interview before the match, and he's just little... If bit- you remember that interview as well, as they're basically choosing... Who of the horsemen will replace Sting? Yeah. Um, and, and just little slight things. Sting's wearing black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just little... He's not blonde anymore either. Yes. Little sort of thing. Was that the first time? It can't have been the first time he showed up without the hair. It, it wasn't, but the character change had been gradually happening already. Yeah, he had it like Bash at the Beach, didn't he, when Hogan turned and yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so... Um, and it was it was really well done. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it more, but obviously... Fake Sting comes out, and and out of all the appearances of Jeff Farmer as Sting, this one he looks the most like Sting. Like yeah, as NWO yeah. Sting, it's terrible. But as this Sting, he looks they like Sting. They do look quite similar. I think the crowd saw through it though. The, quite as well done as it is. Yeah, I have some issues with not the beatdown itself. I think that's pretty good, and like my problem with it is. Apart from the fact that, like, why didn't Sting just come up straight away and be like, that's not me? <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> when they do, they're do, doing that interview, Luger cuts a promo that makes him look like a fucking idiot because he's, like, 
he is positive at Sting, and he's like, I looked into your eyes, Sting, <laughs> and he's just like, and I, I don't believe you later when he comes to say it's not him. It's like, you've been his mate for years, you know him, you've run a gym chain together. <laughs> if another guy with similar hair to you came up wearing face paint, came up to <coughs> me, sorry, wearing face paint, yeah. I would know he wasn't you. So like, and, and unless it's meant to be like, because he's out there in his speedos and the pouring down rain, did the baby oil run in his eyes and then he doesn't know? Like, how could Luger think that is really Sting? Uh, it's one of those things that, like, you, you, I think with wrestling, well, it is just the case you have to suspend dis- your disbelief. You do. Um, and you have to just buy into the slightly absurd. I mean, we're you have to both, try not to think about this it. This is nowhere near the most absurd thing that would be no, to buy into. It, it, if if anything, it's the only <clears throat> thing that stops it being perfect. Yeah. Um, well, apart from Dusty's commentary. <laughs> you know what, though? Give me Dusty on commentary. He's amazing. The best kind of terrible. Yeah, instead of the year before where they were running out of things to say, Dusty will come in with anything. Because Dusty just talks. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say to you, if you watch at the beginning... Just before the match, Tony and uh, Bobby are like breaking it down, and they have to listen so intently when Dusty starts talking, so they can try and decipher the hillbilly noises. Uh-huh. Like for example, there's a bit where Tony goes, "You can feel the electricity in the air," and Dusty gets really quiet and like he sagely states, "Oh, and you can smell it too, and it smelled horrible." <laughs> Like, oh. Do you have any particularly favourite bad dusty commentary lines in general? Oh, um, <laughs> well, except the you know the one into the commode, the women's commode. That is a good one. Yeah, in the bathroom, <laughs> he's gonna hit him with a commode. It's a women's bathroom. He's well, like higher and higher. The general story is is that the closed caption and couldn't read, like couldn't understand him. I am <laughs> not surprised. My favourite is him completely fucking getting the wrong end of the stick. Is there's a point where whomever is commentating with him, I want to say Bobby Heenan, uh. does that age-old cliche in wrestling where someone like does a reversal when you think they're out. And he goes, he was playing possum. And Dusty goes, yeah, that's right, he was playing possum. He was hanging out of a tree going, I'm a possum, I'm a possum, I'm a possum. <laughs> I was like, that's 100% not how you fucking play possum, mate. <laughs> like, the other person's just trying not to die. I'm pretty sure it's Bobby. And he's like, where the fuck do you go after that? <laughs> That well known, really in your face look at what I am thing that possums do. <laughs> He's wonderful. Oh, give me Dusty making no sense over like most things, you know. 100%. I've got to say that, like, the thing about Bobby Heenan in WCW is that he wasn't allowed to be Bobby Heenan. And what I find, if there's a great match going on, like Arnhem Flair from the year before, or, it, you know, even the War Games... No, well, to be fair, the War Games match, he was sticking up for WCW. Mm-hmm. But that was his entire shtick throughout any good match. That was, it was just like, oh, this is a great match. Oh, WCW's great. Whereas when he was cheering for the heel and, or, you know, going against the face, that's what he should have been doing. Because it just, you it just so feels he sti- like he's a shill. He still did for the heels that weren't NWO. Well, yeah, Hogan was the only one he was ever still against going into WCW, it feels. Because he's like, I've known Hogan for years and I knew he was a bad person. But, and, oh, uh, definitely. But I mean, during the NWO time, 
uh, heels that are not in the NWO get the normal Bobby Heenan treatment. But do they really? Right, okay. For example, there's bits with like Jericho when he's been a dick, where Heenan thinks he's doing the right thing, stuff like that. <laughs> so there are times like that. I think there's just a strict edict that anyone who isn't a part of the NWO can't side with them at all. And that does make sense to do it as like an invading mm-hmm. influence story. I've, I felt bad for Bobby though, because like Dusty will tell him to shut up or something like that. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, and I think Bobby was. He was, I hate to say this, but he was possibly maybe a bit dated by the mid-90s in terms of his material. Aye, um, it's, it's a bit dad joke, isn't it? And I think he also probably didn't care as well. But we know he didn't care. We know, we know he didn't care. Uh, which, I, you know, I think a motivated Bobby Heenan, and look, I'm not one to... An unmotivated Bobby Heenan, give me that any day over most you know, commentators now. There's not that many where he actually detracts from it. There's mm. somewhere he's just not that involved. Um, and, and you can feel the heat between him and Tony sometimes. Sometimes later on, I. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, we'll get into the 96 War Games. Um, my favourite of the bunch, I've got to say. Mine too. I'm, I'm sure it will be for most people. We could have had a great Bobby Heenan moment, you know. Now, <laughs> for some reason, um, AEW de- determined that every time Sting appears, Tony Schiavone has to go, It's Sting! But he could have done the, It's Sting! When the fake Sting comes out. <laughs> and then um, Bobby Heenan could go, That's just Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Find me five times in WCW where Tony went, It's Sting! Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's... It, it, when he, it, they were always just like when he's coming out of the sky kind of thing. It's right. when it's genuinely shocking, not just like there he is. <laughs> Bobby Heenan is just like Jesus, Tony. I like I wasn't prepared for that. Um... <laughs> Something you talked about in the war games before. Yeah. This is the first one where they come in one at a time, rather than two big groups outside strategizing. And, and that's that. because of the sting thing. Makes sense because if like wait a minute, there's a fucking sting on each side. They couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, the, so that was the first time they kind of did uh, mess around with that, and um, it felt they were still doing the conflict. I didn't like if there was one thing I don't like about war games. Maybe I don't know. It, Tony would always confirm who had won the coin toss or who was coming in next before they mm-hmm. came out or before they got in the ring, which I was just like. Where's the element of surprise? You know what I mean. Like, but at the same time, I guess if you know you're coming in next and you stood at ringside, you're already by the door, ready to get in. So, Aye. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit. I, I, I don't know. I think it makes sense because this is the first time they're not just two full teams there. Mm. So, like, maybe it spoils the element of surprise a bit when someone's going to come out. Mm. But when everybody's there already, there's not a lot of surprise. I don't think NWO had their music by this point either. So did they not? No, they're still coming out. It's still the old war games. Or whatever well, I don't know if it's just because used. everybody came out to the war games music. I thought they had NWO music by then, mind. I don't think they did. Only because I think it was when I think it was when Bischoff joined because he paid for mm. music and stuff like that. Fair um, or, or when they were doing the adverts and all that kind of stuff because the merch adverts didn't start until. A bit later on. Yeah, but not um, a lot later on. No, but there were no NWO... Um, yeah, that's the thing. There were no NWO t-shirts in the crowd or like that. I always felt... Also, because everybody hated them then. That's true. I always felt, though, that the pay-per-view audiences were different to the Nitro audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, in the WCW pay-per-views, it, it, it was hard to actually think sometimes that Nitro was going on during this time because they felt older. You know what I mean? They'd still... Had his, I mean, because it's a card of wrestling, imagine that. But like in terms <laughs> of like the presentation, so when you when you look at 95 to 96, 
just looking at the ring in the arena, you can't. You they didn't make that big of a leap. They've still got the WCW target sign in the, the ring. The yeah, before, that. yeah, yeah. Um, How good does it look when Arn Anderson spinebuster Scott Hall right in the middle of that? Yeah, you know it's my favourite thing. Yeah, Arn Anderson generally just looks so pumped and cool in this match. <laughs> he comes out proper pumped. It, it struck me nobody has had Bobby Charlton hair and been as cool as Arn Anderson. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, good stuff. Like you say, my favourite uh, my favorite war game. So how do we start with this? So this starts with Scott Hall and Arn Anderson in the ring. And they're pretty evenly level. Hall looks really slick and cool and he's still in really good shape at this point. It's good to see him like that. Mm-hmm. And um, aye, you get Anderson and Hall at the start. Anderson's a pretty star player in this. There's a great bit later in the match where Hogan's just trying to stamp him down in between the two rings. Yeah. And he's just got him shoved in there and he's just trying to stomp him like a shite down a drain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After that, we get Kevin Nash fulfilling his contractual obligation to run once a year as he heads to the ring. (laughs) He could have just walked. Well, to be fair, though, if it's... It's meant to be like, get in and help your team. Yeah, so no, like, yeah. There's an amazing part right near the finish where Nash goes to step over the ropes from one cage into the other one and his foot gets tied up in the cameraman's cable. <laughs> and he's just got one foot up in the air, hopping. And you can see the cameraman fucking frantically untying Kevin Nash while the other cameraman films both of them doing this. It's like, oh, Kevin. <laughs> amazing. Um, does Kevin... Um, also, who won Lumbering Off in 95? Um... Um, it's a toss-up between Kevin Nash and Lex Luger. I would say Luger could be the lumbering oaf because we've already seen him do a promo where he doesn't know who his best friend is yeah. and didn't recognise him. But he continues to prove his genius by arriving into the cage early while there's a big fucking timer and they're counting it down. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. Commentary cover it well. For, yeah, they weren't waiting for time to go down by this point. They were just... Commentary just goes like, well, he's in early and we don't care because we need him. And they like, sell it well that it's desperation. That's but in reality, it's probably that Lex Luger can't recognise Sting and can't count. <laughs> <laughs> so he wins the Lumber and Oath Award. Who won 95, though? Um, Kamala? Yeah. Not Beefcake. Uh, Beefcake will win Lumber and Oath. Beef- <laughs> anything. A- anything. Yeah. <laughs> We're a fan. And, uh, well, and uh, if I get him on, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'll not partake in that interview. <laughs> you won't come on. Uh, <clears throat> this is my favourite period of Lex Luger's career, though. All jokes about oh, him being a dumbass aside. Yeah. He's so good by this 96, 97. He's just class. I mean, I'm guessing your favourite period is the Lex Express, but like. I'm not, I totally understand. No, I, mean, I do love that whole storyline. But, like, in terms of, like, favorite, I, I know it's going to sound mental, but, like, I totally. I love badass Lex Luger. If yeah. he was a bit more badass in WWF, it really would have helped. And if he didn't wear the American flag and stuff like His face turn in WWF didn't help him either. It's just like, you're a heel, you're an arrogant heel, you managed to slam a sumo, so you're now a face. Like, that. Ah, it's never going to work for a face turn. But also still for America, so I guess, like, you know, but then you, you, to make it obvious... That's proper work. bottom of the barrel, though, isn't it? Again, I very much like it, but, but... No, no, I'm not talking about Lex okay. Luger or the angle. I'm talking about the purpose of turning someone a face. Yeah. If the only thing that turns a heel face is that they... He saved America on the 4th of July. By slamming saved a sumo. It. Who was a Samoan <laughs> on a boat. One thing I noticed about, because the, uh, the WCW crowds by this point were certainly more adult, and there was... The, Luger has this knack of being able to, like, say, clothesline someone or double clothesline someone... 
and get a huge reaction out he of He really him. does with that double close line when he comes yeah. in. Because he does the like, you know, the like most muscular pose he does afterwards and he growls and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's the it factor in wrestling yeah. that Lex has. And then the and thing he's, is- he's, he's kind of like a face, but he's still just like a hard, vicious, strong bastard. And he's like, this time it's like, I'm a face because what you're doing is so fucking terrible. Yeah. to this company that found me years ago and that that I'm going to kill you well, and that, it works doesn't it that was the thing like if you unless you're watching it week by week and you know really knew what Luger was doing like standing up for the company and so and he had like a code of ethics and stuff like that yeah. and, like you probably think Luger probably got lost in the mix or cuz he didn't have he didn't have the face paint like sting he didn't have mm-hmm. the character mm-hmm. like whatever but you know he was just he was just he was, he was super Luger, over. and that's all he needed to yeah. be. and he had the torture rack which again he was never Luger with no bells and whistles wasn't yeah. he that works cuz it is actually Lex Luger that you buy into yeah absolutely um so yes we've had him continue to prove his genius with this early entrance <laughs> then you get Hulk Hogan who I still think looks really cool despite having the weird eyeliner beard yeah. This is when he comes out and like he's spray painted his chin. I I I didn't understand it because he can grow hair on his chin and then he's painted it on and then he can't grow hair on his head and he's painted on none. I know he wore a wig once for his match with Randy Savage. <laughs> one but it's just like, mate, you grow chin hair. Don't draw it on. <laughs> uh, draw it on that shower curtain of a heat you've got. <laughs> only time it looked weird was when he didn't have the tash and he just painted his entire. Bottom face. I wouldn't he say that's like the only time he looked weird, no, but he sure. definitely looked weirder. It was like a Bo Selector character with the rubber face I just was on the bottom. David. <laughs> <laughs> or a Popeye villain. You know, just a really badly penciled on beard, because it's what it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the crowd are, crowd are hugely getting into this, because they're behind WCW at this point. The foreman when Hogan comes out, who yeah. also enters early. Yeah, he does. But yeah. with him, it makes sense because it's like Hulk Hogan is a cunt. Here he comes in to cheat. It's like we know he leads NWO and we all hate him. Didn't bring he, out any coke. This <laughs> he did not bring nobody because he's a heel now. He's not giving out free cocaine. <laughs> if these war games are missing anything, it's blood. Definitely, but like, they actually probably could have got away with it with it being on a pay per view as well because like the standards and practice stuff doesn't take effect when they're on pay per view because they're not being carried by Turner. Yeah. But I guess they're just playing it safe anyway. To be fair, though, the match is still amazing without blood. Doesn't need it, but I, but I think if you're going to do it, that would be the match to do it in. Because yeah, there's a cage, it you know there what I mean? Just grind like... his face into it, make it vicious. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Ric Flair, the crowd get what they want, looking somewhat like a Ninja Turtle with the like green trunks and yellow boots combo. Yeah, Tim Carolina as well, so he's yeah. over like over, God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- that was a tradition with Fall Brawl as well, was doing them in the Carolinas. And yeah, as you say, he is over because Ric Flair is God. I absolutely love him. Do you see, like, there's a part where he's taunting Hogan. You know, he goes and he gets in the other cage and he's beckoning him over and Hogan gets so mad he breaks off from the rest of the pack to go and face Flair because they've got the rivalry even before this. Mm. Like, all the stuff between the two of them is handled so perfect. I swear my telespeaker's nearly blue. (laughs) That bit where he kicks the outsiders in the dick. Yeah. Like yeah. the crowd actually distorted the shit out of my speakers at that point because everybody wants to kick Kevin Nash in the bars and obviously they're in Carolinas the crowd dies after that in a good way when Sting comes out because some of the crowd have not seen through that that's a fake Sting and you know in the commentary he's just like oh god and it's really powerful they like barely commentate if they oversold that I can't believe it Sting's defected what's he's done but they're like 
oh my god, it's actually happened. I noticed he was remarkably restrained. But they must have had to tell him. But then it's just like, what? what is sacred now? Like, Hulk Hogan and Sting are on this team. Like, how can we possibly win? I thought that that is handled so well. And the crowd, there is like a proper hush where they can't believe it. Yeah. Because that is a traditional WCW and town. Again, I'll stand by. He looked like Sting. He really... If you weren't looking too close, you know what I mean? Like, say, NWO Sting, you could tell immediately. But... A different shaped face, different shaped nose and all that. But with the more intricate face paint, it can hide facial mm-hmm. features a bit. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. And he also, because Sting isn't Crow Sting yet, he's wrestling like the original Sting. Like, Jeff's pulling off the moves that you've watched Sting do for like seven or eight years by this point. Yeah. You know, the way he's hitting the Stinger splash and stuff like that. That he's kind of copying what you've always seen, which in a way makes... You'd think that's like, I'm super familiar with these moves, so I know they look wrong. But if anything, it means you almost kind of gloss over and your brain connects the dots mm-hmm. when you see him do the Stinger splash and that. And like, I, I can't remember at the time, but I'm pretty sure 10-year-old me won't have known that's not really Sting. Right. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I know now. And then the crowd explode because the real Sting is the next guy out. Out of every War Games ever, going back to the start, this is my favourite bit of, of the, any of, of them. any War Games, yeah. When you get the epic stare down, the most epic stare down you've ever had between a Jeff and a Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Sting's nice and tweenery as well, isn't he? You know, like after afterwards, he like hits all these big spots. He brays them so the NWO are down. But when he gets in Luger's face, and he's like, "Is that good enough? Is that proof enough?" Yeah. I really like that. Oh, it was it was so good. And WCW, like, I mean, it's easy to say it now, but like they really took a risk with that. They really did. Having Sting, because he could have got booed, but instead he became more popular. Yeah, like, <laughs> but I think that's they knew the product they were creating then, and it's more edgy. It, it's more adult and it's more realistic. And so I think they know the audience are conditioned by then, though. That's uh, yeah, and as well, this is a, a, a screw job, but not in a way that screws over the entire pay per view or leaves you. Flat it do- doesn't make or, the audience go home yeah. disappointed. Yeah, which is the usual problem with screwy finishes. And as well, you because he beat up the NWO, you know he's not joining the NWO. He's just not helping WCW either, so yeah. you have intrigue. Oh. He just comes out to prove himself, says "fuck you, Lex," and leaves. Yeah, and I mean, in terms that's of like the Austin thing before Austin, really. Yeah, and and if you wanted, you know, obviously then, the, well, they're not really in the wars at this point. I mean, I guess they kind of are, but like the um, in terms of if you want to tune in, the, the you know have a reason to tune in the next day. This is like the what, best example. What of is that. Sting gonna say? Yeah. What is Sting gonna do? And uh, that that does bring us to all entrance in the ring, but then of course Sting leaves. And the good guys are a man down. I actually really liked how they protected Luger with the finish because they get Luger to tap out, but he's in two holes at once. Yeah, he's in like a Boston Crab and a Camel Clutch at the same time, so they essentially make it impossible not to tap out. Because if he tapped out, you'd be like, "Bullshit, not watching this anymore." If he <laughs> sorry, if he didn't tap out, you'd just say this is bullshit. Yeah, no, so it was great. I really the only downside though is how badly Luger overacts afterwards. Like, I think the post match angle here. When the end of, that's the first time you really see the NWO are going to destroy everything and take over. Because after they win this, the chaos that they submit the entire arena to is just one of the best post-match angles that I can think of. It's absolutely tremendous. But Luger, 
he's like crawling up the, oh, up the he's going sting and reaching his arm out come like he's seeing a mirage of sting in the desert he's like come back for me and he's like crawling in slow motion while the NWO are just walking around smashing shit up yeah now like that bit he's like eesh but the cameras probably realise that and they're like whoop and they quickly get away but what else is going on <laughs> that would be a Bischoff call yeah, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, the, the post-match, they keep Savage in the ring. and uh, How good is that bit that, with Savage? Yeah. The crowd pop massive for him coming in. And then, like, oh, well, what was your verdict on the beatdown, especially as an old Savage and no, Liz fan? Well, it was, it was what it should be. It felt realistic and it felt uncomfortable. Like, Liz is good at being meek and being afraid. She's so good. It's odd. But she's also good. (laughs) When she starts begging Hogan not to pain Savage, and he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, I'm not going to lie, I've got a semi on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, um, when I was watching um, uh, Fall Brawl 95, when uh, Diamond Doll comes out, she's full of attitude and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What made Liz over? I can't even think. You know what I mean? Because you just think she's got attitude, she's got. And Liz had sex appeal and everything. And she, but the, she's demure and she had this sense of fragility. Was, yeah, that's entirely what she was. Princess Diana. You and know they, what I mean? They, they, was, they did that to the max here. When when she yeah. gets spray painted and then Hulk Hogan spits on her. Oh. I've seen that so many times and it's still horrified us. Like it made us feel sick seeing him spit on Miss Elizabeth. You want to run in and pick her up and like look after her, and that's why Liz is over because you want to protect her. That's true. She's yeah. not a damsel in distress either. You just there's just something about you makes you want to protect Liz. That is true, and um, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, the crowd are hot. The spray painter, and um, yeah, she's uh, she's just amazing in that role. Like, uh, and and the thing is as well, the um, you can tell that she's not married to Savage at this point because Savage would not have allowed his wife Liz to be when he's on. when she's lying over him. Yeah, I know, fucking hell. I honestly think at this point, like this post match angle, the spray paint, the general smash down, the promo, you know, when they go and take the commentary bits and they put the headsets on. Well, that was on. the thing. They they're like in mourning on commentary, like. And then Hogan and then get in. They're like just, light fuck off and they leave. Yeah, and Dusty's like almost doesn't want to leave because I was like Dusty's totally gonna put himself. Dusty's <laughs> standing there and you see the moment in his eyes where he wonders about starting the flip flop and fly and you're just like don't do it. And Hogan calls him like a daydream believer. Yeah, he does. <laughs> It tells um, him he's past it and that. Yeah, and it, it goes off it. It's, it. it's exactly how it should be, chaotic and just... And I think Hulk Hogan's the best heel ever at this point. Like, this pay-per-view, this era of Hogan, before it gets a bit too self-indulgent later, like 97, especially 98, yeah. this chaotic and less scripted Hogan heel, it's just amazing. And he spits into the camera lens as well. It's just it's, it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting, isn't it? But there's, there's, there's so much heat yeah. and drama... And the 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 fight feels balanced until Sting's left. Mm-hmm. You you don't know which side would win because it seems like two amazing teams going at it, which is what it should be, and it's what was missing the year before. Yeah. And the commentary, as you were saying before, like they're in mourning, they take it so gravely serious. Mm. <laughs> Did you notice the weird bit? where the giant thanks Hulk Hogan for getting him a part in a film, which at the time I can only assume is when he's in Jingle All The Way as an evil counterfeiting Santa giant. Yeah, I love that though, because it isn't like directly on camera as well. He just says it to Hogan when they're in the ring. He's like, Terry, thanks for the film contract or something like that. Big Show Giant, sorry, he's holding the NWO sign to the camera as well. He's just like this part of the show has been brought to you by the NWO and stuff like like, like sort of like a, a voiceover sort of like news presenter and Hogan puts the 
headset on him and it falls off his head. But he, <laughs> but he continues <laughs> them. You know what I mean? Like it's just like they are just pissing about and just taking over. But it the makes show. it real. And it's not trying. Yeah, it's not trying to make it. When stuff like that's yeah. clean, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, I agree. That is just a fact. And, and for to me. be fair, they're putting on like whoever's heads. No headset's going to stay on his head for like more than a couple of seconds. But yeah, no, amazing. Like it, that's the one you've got to go back and watch. It, it's night and day between like Belair's baby faces the year before and then like the NWO here. Like these are not Terry's Titans. Like this is <laughs> this is a dangerous, nasty group. And okay, Jeff Farmer's in it, but like. Also, there's Such, nothing wrong with Jeff Farmer. No, like, he's a good performer. There isn't at all. But like in terms of like you know someone who's never wrestled in any main event or anything like that, yeah. it's just but he's there for a reason, and, and he, he pulls it, it perfectly. Yeah, it doesn't detract from the match. It's entirely for the angle, and it, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. To move to '97, mm-hmm. we are still in Horseman Country, and we are still in the NWO era, but this time we have Ric Flair, uh, Steve Mongo, McMichael, Chris Benoit, and Kurt Hennig. Against Kevin Nash, six, and then, uh, I don't know how, <laughs> Buff Bagwell and uh, Conan. Yeah. How Buff Bagwell gets among Kevin Nash, six, and Conan, I don't know. I've always thought he's a fine mid-card heel because he makes you want to punch him in the face, but I don't know, he felt a bit... Well, I, I assumed, like, well, if the NWO are going to lose, I know who's given up. I think there's partly that, and I think... Also, having the other big names like Hall or whatever interspersed throughout the card also makes the rest of the card stronger. Yeah, so just yeah, it does. That's true. And it's directly coming on from the impersonation as well. So it makes sense. And, that's and, true. And I forgot that, he's involved got, in that. That got them legitimate heat. Yeah, it did. So it, it makes sense as a minute. And let's face it, WCW could have put two chickens fighting in the ring and it would have drawn a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you, know, um, you know, so they had enough heat going into it. And again, it's fair. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter to a point. It's smart though, isn't it? You've yeah. got a really emotive retirement angle of one of the original horsemen yeah. in North Carolina. Oh, it, again, I mean, this is... It, we don't need to tell you, like, 96, 97, you know, if we could wrap ourselves in a blanket of it and just... Yeah, you know, this is a whole <laughs> superb pip for you again, isn't it? Fall Brawl 97. Yeah. To be fair, any of these three fall brawls so far are worth watching. And but the thing is, though, you've seen the evolution of what WCW would become with introducing the cruiserweights and bringing Aye. in certain other wrestlers as well, and just like the uh, the New Japan stuff, like just mm-hmm. the, that. That's what really got me into Japanese stuff is yeah. WCW and the stuff. But it's the same as like I wouldn't be so into lucha type stuff without WCW in this time period. Yeah, like it it did so much for me. They're also at this point. I know it's something you're always a fan of. Having stories during the night and like angles between matches and the pay-per-view. So, for example, we know Mr. Perfect is on the Horseman team because he's the one who's been offered on spot. But then halfway through the night, you find Mr. Perfect's been completely laid out. And like Mean Gene does a good job of making it seem real. Like he's going at the dressing room and he's like, Jesus, that's Kurt Hennig. Yeah. And he, he, he does like a work shoot where he starts shouting for Doug Dillinger. And it's like normal people won't know that this is the Kenny Rogers lookalike <laughs> head of security at WCW. But when he's just like, we need to get Doug Dillinger in here, like it feels real because a normal viewer who doesn't know who that is might be thinking, Jesus, what's going on? Yeah. So that that is really good. And, and um, I mean, it speaks to his name value as well. That he, I mean, he hadn't been there that long. 
at that point either, but like no. thrown straight into a huge storyline. Mm-hmm. And, um, and unlike with the Bret Hart thing as well, he he wasn't pushed straight to the top, but he just grabbed what he had with both hands. Yeah. Like, all the stuff Kurt Hennig does in this period is good, even though it's like mid card, because he just embraces it and makes the very best of what he's involved in. Yes, even if it involves Buff Bagwell and his Jesus to a child George Michael <laughs> era. Um. Yeah. No. So it's definitely not a team. Like if you had the like that sort of pointless like six Buff Bagwell and Conan might be low. <laughs> in terms of like people who remembered who was shame as Conan was so over. Oh yeah, no, no, nothing against any of them, even Bagwell, because Bagwell's so hateable. <laughs> like, like you know, you get like a, a um, satisfaction from seeing them getting kicked in. That's a good heel, though. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I actually like Buff Bagwell as a heel because I like seeing him get kicked shirtless. Yeah, I always have. Like it, it works. A heel that's annoying. Is just as good as a heel who's evil. And when the NWO was starting to like, you know, expand by that point, and and I think that's overblown. In ninety seven, they're not as they don't have as many members. They always as make think. out like there's forty of them. Yeah. In reality, they just had a few people who were to take losses, like um, Wall, Street. Wall Street. Yeah. And uh, Big Bubba. But the thing is, though, as well, like they, I don't think having them in the NWO necessarily got heat on the NWO because I don't think. It's part of the narrative after yeah. WCW's closed, but, isn't it? No, no, I, I, yeah, no, but in terms of even at the time, like, you know, whereas like Bagwell, who you could say it was on their level in terms of card yeah, placement, yeah. he made the most of it. Whereas like... I think most, the NWO made both Bagwell. Yeah. yeah he's, 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 he's had loads of awkward runs at stuff and tag teams and that beforehand. Yeah. But the Jesus to a child George Michael <laughs> Bagwell, that that's when he really got over as a heel, like... Yeah, he did. So, um, who have we got in commentary this this time round? Oh, I wish I could remember. I'm thinking. I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, I have. I have a feeling it's. Tanae, it's Tane Heenan and Shivoni. Yeah. Shivoni? Shivoni, I think. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. I think it is, yeah. Heenan's uh, there for all of them except uh, 2000, I believe. So. Aye. Yeah. When you were watching this, did you see the Horseman promo earlier in the night? I. I'm not watching it for this purpose, but I have seen it before, so you might have to remind me. That's okay, but um, Ric Flair is so good in here. They're all generally pretty good. Like, Mongo is all fired up, and it's nice to see Mongo looking good compared to how tragic he is at the moment. Like, thoughts and prayers with Mongo at the moment with what he's going through. But um, Ric Flair, that I always find if a wrestler wears a jacket or shirt, but in their trunks... They look more like a lunatic. So you're standing there in a white shirt with knee trousers on, pure ranting and raving with my Uncle Peter's hair. It is like it is like an old man coming at the door to shout off the kids. Like, I, get off my lawn! Kind of thing. I really feel like his promo is so passionate here because the story is so told and they're in Carolina. It feels like at any moment he's going to break into the Kevin Keegan I would love it speech. <laughs> like, like, he's got to go to Asheville and get something and, and and I'll tell you honestly, if we beat them at war games, I would love it. I would love it if we beat them at war games. Now, because I've been watching a lot of Nightmares during this time, the Horsemen weren't definitely, definitely faces, were they? Really? No, they were, they were just the Horsemen, that tweenery, yeah. their cool heels. I would say until like Flair returned in 98. They're super baby face. Yeah. Though. Um, but it is kind of a, an odd thing, I find. that. But I'd still realise it. It works, though. It was more the traditional... These bad guys who are traditional want to fight these new guys who are killing the company these bad guys have been a part of. Yeah. Makes sense again, doesn't it? And it's like with Luger, when we were saying. He's just being bad and hard. And it's like, the face turn is just, how dare you do this here? And they were smart as well, though, because having... If you'd have put Hogan, Hall and Nash all together, there's a chance that... I, I don't... Maybe not in Carolina, but there's a chance they would have got more cheers than they did. 
they, they used to tell Conan, sometimes don't know. do the survey right and he used to do it anyway but those places where they didn't want them to be that over <laughs> and he'd still be like hey yo and everyone backstage is thinking oh bollocks <laughs> it's like Flair when they asked don't say mean by God Gene and Flair came out one week and, he's and like, you got Eric Bischoff says don't say mean Gene <laughs> it's old fashioned entire and I say oh, and he holds it so long I thought he was going to go in <laughs> God Gene <laughs> it's one of his biggest he takes like in fact the week after that even better because he doesn't say anything he, me and Gene starts talking to him and he just turns and does this slightly cheeky look at the camera and takes a really deep breath and you know what's coming oh, oh. Flair interviews on Night Row always my highlight it's the best Black Piper in there as well and it's just gold <laughs> and they, they say nothing but they say nothing for about 10 minutes and it's the most entertaining nothing you've ever <laughs> heard in your life it's the epitome I've said this before of uh, style over substance <laughs> but, but, but it's a good style though. Yeah. it's a good style Oh, so yeah <laughs> Michael Buffer has his cue cards and for some reason he does like beat poetry just before the start of the match he, four <laughs> against four I noticed this <laughs> four against four two rings one stage it's time to set the stage for the rage of war games but he didn't say in the cage which I'm no, not <laughs> how many rings do you want to get and then he gets in the usual are you ready but he's just like to set the stage on the stage for the rage of war games and the crowd are like get in he said war games cheer now what's going on <laughs> beat poetry Michael Buffer would have been a tremendous gimmick I think <laughs> didn't you think the war games music you know there's always like war games music for everyone coming in this is the one where the war games music's the coolest because it's like it was like rock music it, it, it like, sounds like Nuno Betancourt pure tapping and shredding all over the guitar and I'm like yes this makes me think cages fighting combat yeah you know what I mean because the pyro got better as the years went on as well definitely like, even, even when the war games go downhill the pyro goes uphill <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually thought that was really great with all the explodey sparkly shit going on while people are just shredding and tapping on the guitar I'm like this is what I want <laughs> it's southern <Just laughs> yeah southern is out pyro and rock music yeah. did you notice that the NWO got called the prime time players and that just made Titus Hog- hosting mania as Hogan's black mate under <laughs> duress all the more strange it's like these aren't the prime time players I didn't notice <laughs> oh was that buffer <laughs> yes it was oh. I must admit that I got really depressed at one point when I saw Kurt Hennig and Mongo and Chris Benoit all get together in a huddle and thought, Christ, two are dead and one has ALS. I, that is miserable. It gets to a point, though, and, you know, I know other shows that go massively into this kind of thing, but, like, it's just, you can't because everyone we like is gone now, so it's just, like, you, you can almost, to a point, not get depressed about it Aye. because oh god because if you did you would be miserable watching some of your favourite events now that's true I, yeah. I don't. I just don't think about it anymore the only, I've got to say the only time I, I, think, I think I'm thinking of it more because Mongo's ill now yeah. and it's just been announced the one time where and it still brings tears to my eyes is Canadian Stampede where each yeah. Hard Foundation member yeah. come out separately and you're just like fuck like, that is grim as well um, it's, it, I mean it's grim but it's, it's emotional to be honest, if wrestling in any sense can bring out any kind of emotion in me, good. You know what I mean? Even yeah. in sadness. That's, I want you know I, mean? I want a reaction <laughs> that isn't just like being bait and switched pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and for how... Oh God, I, I, 
swear I'm not getting off on a tangent here, but like for how good of a feel good of an event in my view Canadian Stampede is, just that little bit of bittersweet. I was just gonna say bittersweet to feel good makes for more powerful emotion though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'll try and cheer us up now. <laughs> Pretty cool seeing all those frat house signs for the four horsemen, wasn't it? You notice the signs where it's like, this frat here is horsemen. This frat is horseman country. I was like, get that. in. This audience is a cool audience. That's WCW finally finding their audience. Like, yeah. in, in How do you expand from your usual southern audience? Add in frat boys. <laughs> <laughs> it almost took too long for them to do it. Yeah. Um, and that... You know, the crowd participated. Uh, one, I mean, the crowd got bigger mm. for a start. The crowd's um, massive by this one. Yeah, to the point where I, I brought this up before in 95 to build up the friend on match. Tony Schiavone, the first time I've ever heard this talked about on screen. I don't think I've ever heard it talked about since on screen, like during the show. Oh, you know, I remember the boom period of wrestling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. sell out yeah. every week in, in this arena. And it's just like... God, that's just make that's making me depressed. <laughs> because it's like you wonder why you're not selling out when you've got Booty Man in the main event. I know, and you've got the Dungeon of Doom. Like. <sighs> so yeah, but I mean, but the flare on match was great. But yeah, no, but so the the that is how they expand. That's how they sold out and got bigger arenas and stuff. They've got the frat, but even if they're not going to come back. Get mm. them in for that one time. You know ah, you mean? get them in, and they're going to spend the beer money and they're going to buy shirts and hats and all of that business. And, and the thing is, well, the frat audience, which I think they did, you know, very rightly continue with, it's going to be a new audience every year. Aye, you because I mean? every two or three years people change our. Yeah, and just get out of wrestling and find it old and pass in. But then if it's still a frat party, mm-hmm. there's new, like, 18, 19 year olds coming into party and want to see the wrestling. Why that mindset didn't continue, I, I don't understand with wrestling generally. I mean, they, mm. some of the smaller companies do it now, but like, mm. you know. To be fair, WCW kept it up throughout. They kept it up to the last episode? Where there was WCW. literally a spring break out in, in a bar <laughs> on a beach. Like, they had that shit right. Like, they were booked for me. So, yeah, no, the crowd were incredible. And also, Buff Bagwell helped for that loads. Because the first two people in is Benoit and Bagwell. And Bagwell very clearly is bitten off more than he can chew. <laughs> yeah, and and no. he's just very generous as a heel and just gives himself to Benoit, battering the shite out of him. Mm. Like, you know, and he's slamming him off the walls and all that. And uh, it gave a cool Streets of Rage style spot when Conan comes in as the next man. Bagwell grapples Benoit from behind. He does that thing off the first Streets of Rage where you can like kick the person in the head in front of you while you're being held and then shoulder throw the other guy. And I was like, oh, super duper childhood now. I've got a war games with a Streets of Rage spot. Ah! <laughs> yeah, no, very good. Well, the thing is about I, how I would have potentially done it, like, is have, I think they did it like this, but I don't think they sold it enough. Like what you said, Bagwell obviously came off like a bit more. Than I think he should have gotten the room being all cocky, thinking he was going to get anyone other than Benoit. Uh-huh, and then, and then you get Benoit oh, and like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, in the Horseman, who could you be happy to get in the ring with? That is true. I guess you'd be hoping for Kurt Hennig with his arm in the sling. <clears throat> but other than that, like your other choices are like Ric Flair. Well, that's the thing, though. He dressed up as... Who did he dress up as? I'm guessing he dressed up as Benoit. No, he dressed up as perfect. Yeah, he did. He did, didn't he? Yeah, so I think there wasn't enough, apart from Flair and Six, which is one of the great, like, sort of forgotten about mini feuds of the night. Oh, I. It was Six good, would that. get on Flair's tits aye. every week. It was really good, though. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think they could have, like, done the... Look at how over yeah. Flair is coming in to confront him. It's yeah. another one of those gigantic crowd explosions. Do you think Arn should have been there and took a beating of perfect? 
Mm, I don't know. People are already a bit weird about the the mocking angle, which it's an unpopular opinion to say, but I think the NWO did the right thing. Like, mm. it, it was in keeping with their character. They shit on everybody in the piss-on tradition. Yeah. So I, I think that it's on and Rick believing their own bullshit a bit too much with how offended they are. Like, yeah, you don't get a big blow-off angle, but also you retire and injured. Like, it wouldn't be the same if then, like, Benoit and Mongo came out and beat them up. It, is it any different? I mean, okay, it's retirement, but I was going to say, was it any different than the Hollywood Blondes doing it? or Exactly. It's something that I feel the Horsemen would have done in the 80s. Me too. Yeah. That's it. There's a lot of hypocrisy there, definitely. Tully would have absolutely done it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tully definitely would have yeah, done it. Yeah, I can't... I would be shocked. I mean, I would, I would have to go back, but if the Horsemen did not at all take the piss out of Magnum TA... Um, look, look at when... The, the whole stuff with Precious and all of that. Yeah. Like, and when he's when she's going to Dusty and all that, there's a lot of them mocking Dusty in that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, you've got the huge reaction for Flair. <laughs> yeah. As you would expect. Yeah. Uh, um, there's loads of chance for Sting, because, of course, this is deep in the period of Sting not wrestling at all. He's just appearing and being the crow. Was he on the event at all? Uh, don't think so. But he's not in the main event, I'm guessing, and the channel. No, but I mean, right? sometimes he used to appear after the main event and stuff. Right. He just doesn't at this one. I'm almost certain, but it's because they really have a big enough angle. Yeah. So you're getting those sting chants. You get Nash come in, and to be fair, Nash has real presence when he comes in here. I thought Mash, Mash. Mm-hmm. I thought Nash looked menacing when he came in. I here. think as well though, having the cage just about touching his head <laughs> made him look more like a monster. <laughs> made him look, yeah. And you get the the moment everyone's been waiting for. Kurt Hennig, whereas the commentary are like, please don't enter because you're injured and you're basically going to lose it for the horseman. Kurt Hennig comes in and turns out it was all a swerve. He was never beat down. He's faking the injury and he joins the NWO and the crowd are so horrified, aren't they? Mm. Like, I think that this is handled really well. Flair says that this burned the town. And again, I love Ric Flair, but bollocks because... They've got a massive crowd for the war games the year after back in the Carolinas again. Yeah. This is just, again, like the end of 96, this is some emotive shit. Like, Mongo is handcuffed to one of the cage walls and he's being proper defiant when they're like beating him down and being like, Will you give up Mongo? And he's defying them. And it starts being the like, like he's getting crucified, and they're like, oh, Are you the son of God? And Mongo's like, By God, no, I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mongo's like, he's like crucifying like a really big, lovable dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And you got Benoit's nearly chewing off his arm to get out of his handcuff. <laughs> yeah. And he seems like a fox in a trap. Yeah. That's amazing. And then when they go to put, I love that they go to put Flair's head in the door to slam the door, and that's what makes Mongo give up. It's like, If you're going to do it to Rick, then yes, I give up. That's an extra level of just um, detail that I think is largely missing from wrestling now. Me too. Because I bet you the original thing would have been like, oh, we'll just slam his head in the kitchen. Say, well, no, we'll do it like this, Me- then get to this, then get to this. Na- like- Nash plays his part perfectly when he's mocking and he's taunting, uh, what's his name, Mongo while he's handcuffed. Yeah. And that is one of those times where doing it afterwards anyway, that makes them even healier. Yeah. So it's like he gives up because he's like, please, for the love of God, don't do that to Ric Flair. Yeah. Give up, NWO win. And then they slam his head and it's wincing yeah. seeing his head get slammed in that cage. I don't even know how much Flair's cell there is selling when he's screaming <laughs> and rolling around holding his head. And of course, that's a callback to uh, Michael Hayes 
giving it to the Von Erichs yeah. in Texas. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. And that caused a riot in Aye. Texas. Didn't, like, didn't they have to like stay in the cage while the police were called? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh, so yeah, no, that's a, that's a direct call back to that. But to be honest, equally as effective and good and long-lasting, and, in my opinion. Because yeah, I know people are like, ah, but this was the 80s and it was better. And, you know but, what I mean? But, yeah, like, but no, if so much done well in any era, it's done well. Yeah. Um, the only thing that burns it slightly not the town but the angle Kevin Nash goes a bit far as the heel afterwards where it becomes a point of like you're in danger of go away heat now you only start mocking the crowd for liking the horseman yeah. afterwards and like that's the stage that you don't want to get to and when he starts pushing that after this big angle now is when you risk people going home thinking well if they're going to do that with the horseman I'm not going to bother watching anymore you should just end on the emotion of what you've seen happen yeah. and leave that raw in the mind. I agree. I agree. I'm, I think people at home might be feeling a bit disappointed expecting us to shit all over these and they've been really great so far, but don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Here comes the meat. It, it, you just see that these are all... <laughs> all three of these are traditional war games matches, really, in the style that they're done. Yeah, the only thing different was the entrances. Yeah, but yeah. by by and large, these are traditional war games matches, and it shows like in ninety five times are terrible, war games is good. In ninety six, they're super hot and they're onto something. War games is perfect. Ninety seven, they're they're doing great. The war games is nigh on perfect. So like it shows you that the power of a traditional war games match is no matter what, it can make it good. So why the fuck did we get the absolute <laughs> cluster shite that we get in 98? Like, this, this just shows... How, it's the most WCW thing to do. You've got an ace in the hole that always makes things go well. So what can we do to fuck this up? Well... Well, yeah, you're going to have to catch me up on this because I'm, I'm not thinking about it in context. Cause, I have uh, to catch me up because this is such except, a pile of shit. Except Roddy... Uh, discovering his team in one of the worst segments in Nitro history. That's um, not for this either. Is it not? No. What am I thinking? That's just a team match which gets changed and they use the horseman instead. What is it? That's in 97. That, oh, though. Bloody hell. Right, okay, that, forgive me. Right. In the 98 fall brawl, we're still in the Carolinas and you have a huge, huge crowd on one side. Well, for some stupid reason now, you have three teams. Yeah, why was that? Even, oh, I mean, I know you've got three factions. You've got, so you've got the NWO, you've got the Wolfpack, and you've got WCW. But also, you've got three teams that aren't really teams. So whoever wins, wins a number one contenders match yeah. at Halloween Havoc. So already you're like, wait, what? So there's, there's extra teams. And yeah, yeah. It's, it all starts to break down and it's chaotic. Just everything about this War Games feels broken. I think this is probably the worst War Games ever even including some of the dodgy early 90s ones, you know, when it's either perfect or shite. This is just terrible. Like, you can have a pinfall now. It's not submit or surrender. You get a belt shot. There's three teams. It's like, this for me, 98, late 98, is when you start to notice things are sliding. Like, and also, when the NXT War Games was announced, right, WWE, to advertise War Games, put this up. Is the fucking match on YouTube with NXT stuff plastered all over it. Yeah. And it's just like, look how shit it used to be. Don't worry, we'll do it better. It's like, no, show the best ones and hype people up. But that's just me getting on my horse anyway. No, I totally understand. Um, so I'll, I'll give you some catch up on this show. 
Okay. Well, the thing is, to me, it seemed like when NWO and Wolfpack are feuding, WCW doesn't have a hat in that. There's no horse in the race, so yeah. just put NWO versus Wolfpack in a traditional war game. The Wolfpack are over <laughs> to an insane degree. Yeah. You know, like when Conan comes out and does the Gangster Butlins thing, <laughs> and he, the big crowd response, uh, it's so huge. He's so super over. It also makes you realise how much COVID affects wrestling when you hear how f- scintillating some of the crowd responses are there yeah. compared to the poor lads and lasses having to work with now. Now. Yeah. But I mean, that's a different story. You've got here Nash, Sting, and Luger representing the Wolfpack. Hogan, Bret Hart, and Stevie Ray yeah. representing the NWO. Now, I love Stevie Ray. Harlem Heat are one of my favourite teams, and I even love the stories they were having when they were kind of breaking up in 2000. Stevie Ray is a weird member of the NWO. Were well, they just trying to push him? I don't know, I thought they were putting a fall guy in. Like I did also think that. Cause, uh, and also they were going through a racial lawsuit then about, so I imagine it's just like, oh, look, really? some black people <laughs> in good positions. And Team WCW, you have DDP, Roddy Piper, and the Ultimate Warrior, who is just called Warrior because copyright. And Tell that to the many signs in the audience. Ah, uh, yeah, no, or the commentary and everyone who keeps accidentally calling him the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Earlier on... In the ma- in the night, you can see other signs that things are going wrong here. Yeah. Like, Scott Hall has a match where this is the gimmick where he's being really drunk. And Mr. Meat Sauce Mafia himself is there constantly, like, plying him with Long Island iced teas or something. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Like, the kind of fake drunk farce that they do there is setting up how bad the night's going to be. When when Hall loses that match and taps out, Tanae goes, was he tapping out or ordering another round? And you're just like... Oh yeah. Oh, that's grim. I mean, it. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> that's an amazing part in that match, though. So much as that shit on it. Scott Hall's doing the that spot where you know you're doing an abdominal stretch and you reach out for someone to pull the rope. Yeah. So you put more pressure on it. Oh. He plays like a game of red light, green light with Billy Silverman while he's refereeing, and he's he keeps like reaching, going and grabbing the rope and being like, nope. And they do it for ages where it's like red light, green light. Red like green light, and they must do it about four times before <laughs> Silverman catches him pulling the rope, and it goes on way too long, but that makes it funny. Amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, sign of the times, though, isn't it? It's '98. It's uh, things are becoming controversial for the sake of controversy, like in wrestling, like just catchphrases. Which I'm not a fan of. Bad language and skits and. Except WCW are also not being allowed to do it. Mm. It's one of the times where WWF are like, "All right, we'll take the adult model." And then we don't have standards in practice telling us that we can't swear and you can't do this level of violence and you can't do that. So then they start doing adult better than WCW are doing it as well. That's true. And, and, and in some cases, the exact same story. Like Hawk, that was entirely during that period. Yeah, and I, Scott hate, Hall. I hate that. Um, and, and the thing is, though, Scott Hall, at the very, very least, is entertainingly drunk. Yeah, the <laughs> like, Hawk you know, thing's like, just painful. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, disturb, like... It, no, you know, obviously Scott Hall's had tons of problems since. I never really felt that uncomfortable watching the Scott Hall well, stuff. Because we didn't know. I'd, I didn't so much as a kid. But then, like, I've had my own problems growing, growing up and that. So me watching that stuff, so I was like... Oof. Right, okay, yeah. That's grim. But again, though, and, and another thing that's, like, sort of a sign of the times is how convoluted. This is very convoluted. There's unnecessary stipulations. As I say, there's three teams. The Ultimate Warriors embroiled in his 
interminable feud with Hulk Hogan at this moment. <laughs> it's one of the worst things ever. It like rivals the Dungeon of Doom. This for some of the worst bullshit. I they understand ever did. why they. Go, why did they want to try it though? Because it was the one of the biggest draw matches WF ever had. You misunderstand as like I don't mean bringing in Warrior. I mean no, letting him have creative control yeah. and like right, okay. Teleporting and smoke appearing in the mirror, all that sort of dumb, fucking terrible stuff. Like bringing in Warrior. If they brought him in and they actually went on a work shooty type angle of, about talking about that old match, yeah, that would have worked. Letting Ultimate Warrior come out as his self created comic book mm-hmm. version of himself. It's just. Dire. That's There's a, a sign actually that says Ultimate Warrior is the bomb. It's like Ultimate Warrior is just gonna bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Ninety six. Part of the reason why I love Ninety Six Warrior so much is that there was a more slightly realistic element. To it. I agree. It wasn't like I'm down from the rocket ship. So whatever. You know. If that warrior came in in ninety eight, it would have worked. Yeah. But we didn't. We got like puking green stuff with Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior on steroids. It's also a, a thing of having a two-hour or three-hour night row. You've also, yeah, Warrior would have had maybe five minutes on Raw. He's got three times the length on there. There's also three times the length. You, you know, like his debut? Yeah. It's like scheduled for 10 minutes. <laughs> he goes for like 25 minutes, at which point Bischoff must have known it's fucked. But because Bischoff's an on-screen character, he's there while the oh, promo's going on. He can't do anything about it. <laughs> Can you just imagine how much his heart must have been sinking there? Yeah. This is awful. <laughs> As well, with convoluted, like, so Warrior's teleportation involves a trapdoor that gives Bulldog a mat- an injury yeah, earlier right. in the night. Yeah. You don't notice it watching the match, but that's the injury on Bulldog's back. That he self medicates too much was and goes Bulldog down. And Nightheart against the classic team of Vince Conferno and uh, Alex Wright. The, the, to be <laughs> fair, they were a team doing a thing at the time, though. Yeah, like that. I, I had no problems with that team. Oh no, look, the, dis, the the dancing fools. You, you know, what? it was really fun when they were having you know fighting over the music. Yeah, like disco fever starting. He's like, no, start the German like weird techno, techno ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're like fighting over that. I don't care what anyone says, disco. Inferno's music starting off a pay-per-view was a good way to start a pay-per-view. It yeah, got the crowd it, up, it was. It got them dancing and that. It had energy to it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I hate to hear that that was the event that Bulldog... And if you look closely enough now, you can see the trapdoor because of HD yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. You couldn't. Well, you couldn't at the time. Though. And do you think that's part of the reason... I don't know if this was the first year they had the logo in the ring. Probably not. No. But I mean, the logo in the ring does help. The four brawl logo in the ring. I'm pretty sure they had that the year before. As More well. than likely, but it does help hide the door as well. But uh... it does. <laughs> I mean, to try and say nice things about it, like, <laughs> as as the cage is being lowered, this is the only one where they have the Mad Max Thunderdome vibe. Yeah. You know, there's like the laser light show going on, and there's all the lights in the dark, and you feel like you're at Laser Quasar, like. The music's really dramatic and that makes it feel like the Thunderdome. Unfortunately, the music plays for ages and you realise it's about a 13-second loop. So that gets so tiresome. Notice that, yeah. And the thing is, do you know, on top of your head, if that was dubbed over, WWE dubbing over? I don't think so. Right. Um, Because the commentary's so audible still. Yeah. Uh, It's just a shit show. There's three teams, but two of them start and the third team's not there. Which is weird enough. You've got... I'm trying to remember who starts it. Bret Hart. And who was the other one who started again? Oh, this is what we should... <laughs> but but basically, basically yeah. the third person to come in... There's someone from the Wolfpack. Is Stevie Ray? No, it's DDP because he last all the Yeah, that's it. So yeah. you've got WCW versus NWO Hollywood. Yeah. And then the next entrant is also from NWO Hollywood. Mm. So it's like, what? You won such a super duper toy cost. 
Time toss. I always do that. Time <laughs> toss. That somehow you enter before the other team. Yeah, like, I, I know. They don't mention the coin mercifully because it would be really dumb. How do you do a fucking coin flip for three teams? <laughs> <laughs> Is it like if the coin lands standing, that means that the wolf pack get to come in? Don't if you, if it's heads or tails, it's the other two. Don't you think though that like Brett should have not worn pink or worn like an NWO sign on his ass or something? You know what I mean? Like, Can you imagine trying to do, tell Brett Hart not to nah, do a Brett Hart? Thing. No, but like or put an NWO logo on him somewhere because it just feels like I, I just feel like Brett Hart puts no effort in any of the time he's there. <laughs> he just seems like he's so. His entrance to the ring for that match, he looked like he didn't want to be he's, here. He's so yeah. bitter about what happened at the Montreal Screwjob, which I can kind of guess. Mm-hmm. That there's, it's well known how mishandled Bret Hart was, but they do give him plenty stuff early on, and he just doesn't fucking try. Yeah. But, aye. So, Bret Hart is joined by Stevie Ray in very homemade-looking entrance gear. <laughs> Already, like, the commentary really clearly figure he's the fall guy, because every time anyone puts any form of hold... On Stevie Ray, they all start yelling like it's the finish. Right. You know how they were never told what's going to happen in the matches <laughs> at all. So literally every time it's on Stevie Ray, they've all figured like, well, and now he's getting beat here. Anytime everyone thinks that Bash and Vision eighty six because Heenan did that line, yeah, whose side is he on? Every match, he said that everything every in the match. WWF. He did. If you'd been watching WCW, and that's why I don't like Melter saying he nearly ruined it. Yeah. If you were watching WCW beforehand as I was, Heenan was doing exactly the same shit that he did to Hogan in the eighties. From Hogan's arrival, even on the the War Games in '95, he's just like, oh, maybe one of them will turn on Hogan or something. Like, no, yeah, exactly. No, did, but Nobody like, did, yeah. but it's the standard Heenan, yeah. being Heenan. Uh, but instead of standard, we get Lobster Sting, <laughs> who still gets a massive reaction despite having red face paint and just looking terrible. He does some tried and trusted stuff though, you know, like when you run from one ring and you dive into the other for a lariat and he like it's just good tried and trusted war game stuff. You know when DDP hits the double lariat to Stevie and Bret Hart, it's like you said about Lex Luger. They put in some of those classic spots, but you really are going off breadcrumbs for this like. Well Sting also when once he became Wolfpack Sting, he started wrestling like surface sting again. Like everything about his mm-hmm. character was like surface sting. S- sticks with yeah. that as well, like later yeah. on he's like crow sting in the Russo era being surfacing. Yeah. So that's a bit odd. It really breaks down when Piper comes in. <laughs> People have been kind of sticking to teams. The first person Piper goes for when he comes in is his teammate. Do you DDP. think he legit didn't realise whose team he is? <laughs> it's quite possible. Or just didn't realise the rules because they're yeah. fucking so stupid. That wouldn't be the only time in WCW where someone didn't realise yeah, Dean Malenko ruling out the ring and stuff like that. There's loads of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, just... The heel team, weirdly, are the only ones with a brain. Because, like, Wolfpack and WCW start beating themselves up. I don't mean, like, Sting standing punching himself in the nose. I mean, like, <laughs> DDP and Piper, for example, are fighting when they're both on the same team. Yeah. Hollywood are just working together. And you're like, well, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Working with your team. But the thing is, with. It made. I mean, I know I'm you know, uh, pushing the choir here, but like in terms of like the, whoever gets the pin becomes number one contender. Why would there be teams anyway, except for the fact that Hogan is the dawn of the NWO? So yeah, so you'd be like, you have to. Yeah. Also, why didn't Stevie just lie down and get pinned by Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> you, get, you get Luger and Nash get huge responses. Oh, they, they really do. Because the yeah. Wolfpack is so over. But yeah. am I the only one who found it really weird when um, Buffer holds Kevin Nash's name? So he goes, big sexy. Mm, 
forgot his name. <laughs> Hearing him say sexy for so long, I genuinely thought it was going to turn into like the Liberty X song. He's already <laughs> done beat poetry, but I wanted to be like, Big sexy, everything about you is lazy. Are you even ready to rumble? <laughs> Do you notice that he calls Stevie Ray Steve Ray? As well. <laughs> no, I, I had didn't. a lecturer at Newcastle College called Steve Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than Brett Hart getting called Brett Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Hogan does the most random, you shouldn't be here yet, old man entrance. He comes in with a minute and 20 seconds to go <laughs> of a two minute period with a slapjack and just starts braying everyone. Yeah. He's got that kind of wee willy winky west side hat on as well. <laughs> just. What is going on? I thought Hogan's just like, fuck this shit, get in with the slapjack, kill everyone in the ring, make it be over quickly. I'm just so embarrassed to be here. Was this the period of Hogan when he started wearing like sort of plaid tops and sort of them little round glasses with the white... That comes. And the woolly hats. That comes. <laughs> that's the wee willy winky west side hat. Oh, He's gosh. got that on here. Yeah. And this is the point where, I don't know if it's just the sheer offence of his hat, if it's about Mania 9, <laughs> but Bret Hart turns on Hulk Hogan here, which ruins the Don vibe, even though Stevie's like, we're working together. Yeah. And like, Bret Hart's doing Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> it's just to be expected, I guess. Uh-huh. So yeah, then Team Hollywood take out the other member of Team Hollywood together. So Hogan and Stevie kind of have to team up, because Bret Hart's on Team Bret. <laughs> There's a really funny part where Hogan goes to hit the leg drop, but he like holds the top rope and pushes himself up off it like it's an assisted living bathroom when he hits the leg drop on Nash. It's like the closest to a top rope move you're going to see him do is holding the rope and leg dropping someone. Also, they then get where, the, if you didn't think it was shit already, it gets shitter. <laughs> he goes and hits another leg drop on Nash and Nash just seems to explode in a cloud of smoke <laughs> Hogan looks proper horrified the ring completely fills with smoke both cages are blacked out it's like four cubic edge entrances there's so much smoke in there and well you can describe the next bit this is what happens Paul I, it's really well I mean tons and tons of I mean, is it smoke? Is it steam? Is it like sort of... Um, it's just clouds of... Just, it's probably just fart. Just, <laughs> just big clouds of fart because everything that comes after this is a steam and turd. Yes, that's true. So yeah, no, so... Um, all the steam. And people know what's coming. They know it's Warrior. And, and this is still... You know, they're not counting down the time or anything like that. There's still probably like a minute and a half to go. There's still ages when yeah. the smoke starts. And uh, all of a sudden, Warrior's in the ring. And uh, he gets into a tussle, and he's wearing his jacket and everything. He's doing the chest beating, isn't he? The rah! It's definitely Warrior, there's no doubt about it. And then I always found it impressive, for what it's worth, that that smoke disappeared so quickly. It does disappear. It, like, Like, sucks out of the ring, doesn't it? Yeah, they knew their special effects. It's a turn-of-home video, isn't it? That's true. So, yeah, no, so, yeah, I guess in tussle, and then all of a sudden, Hogan's got his jacket, and... uh, Yeah, he teleports so hard (laughs) that Hogan's just left holding his coat, looking confused as shit, and don't worry, Hulk, so are we. I actually started to support Hulk Hogan at this point. (laughs) Within seconds, Warrior does a black scorpion and uh, runs down the aisle. Um, I, I was glad that at least he was just in his speedos and he didn't leave his coat behind and then appear in his coat I, again. I, I know, I know. <laughs> like, but he, he's as naked as if he's gone through the Terminator time machine, isn't he? <laughs> and the thing is, because like, I'm an idiot and it's been ages since I saw it, I was like, 
Oh, for a second, I'm not that much of an idiot. I was just like, is this? Did they cut it? Is it not live? But then I thought, oh no, Renegade. Yeah, <laughs> Renegade's playing stunt double. Me, me boy, Renegade. Can you imagine after not being used on TV for two years? Like, yeah, right? A body double for the Ultimate Warrior. Again. Again. <laughs> the only way. I hope this... he got paid well for that. Like, I hope so, but I don't think he will have done. And that was really the... I mean, he was only around in the company for about two months after that. Well, he gets a worse spot where, like, Jimmy Hart comes out and says, like, you're not the renegade, you're just called Rick. And you're oh, like, no. oh, man, that's so bad. Yeah. But, uh, the, the only way this match could have been any worse is if the rest of it was just us staring at the Ultimate Warriors ring piece. Like, <laughs> it is so bad. Like, I think the angle could have worked if Warrior had zero creative control. But oh, Jesus Christ. So he's like, he's beating up Hogan and Hogan's selling terror. Hogan's warrior, Ed Leslie. T- Sorry, Hogan's warrior. Hogan's wifey. Ed Leslie turns up for yet another unscheduled appearance and yet another gimmick. Like, this guy is new year, new me. He's like, he's a different gimmick every fucking year. And this time the gimmick isn't shit, just he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like dressed up as a biker and he's called the disciple for Hogan. And so he escapes with Hogan, like he takes Hogan out and they lock the cage, which for some reason the referee helps them lock everyone else back in. And then Hogan goes and knocks that referee out. And you're just like, why? And the commentary are like, God, there's something to talk about. Let's debate whether he said lock or knock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. Bobby Heenan, we're possibly drunk again, goes, I can smell fear. I can smell Hogan. <laughs> I don't know if he's like implying that he's used the rope as a railing and then soiled himself in the same four minute window but he's selling the fear Warrior I thought looked cool kicking his way out of the cage yeah no that was great yeah the only problem is when you see him fall out of the cage and out of the shot in the background and then limp off the lane for the rest of it Just he's like limping up but he's still growling so he's like dragging a leg going grrr after walking you could sell it as he'll do anything to get to him even injuring himself but I know it wasn't sold like that I know it was meant to be it wasn't sold like that at all he's meant to just erupt and chase Hogan but don't you think though they could have given it the cage have him kick a bit of it out or something did they know that's how he's going to leave that's true yeah like he could have just been mental and kicked his way out when you think of the loose cannons who could go into business for themselves in that ring it's amazing they got anything done oh it really is once Warriors limp- did, did Warrior tussle with anyone else in that ring like no he to- just right. goes for Hogan which I did actually think is good since he is here to end Hogan he's got that one Warrior Nation gear on that's true that. I was thinking though it would have been interesting to see him get, in, get on with Brett or Nash or whatever just for the visual of it but if he didn't then I thought storyline wise it made more sense for him to go no, just for Hogan because yeah. he was totally only there for Hogan but by this point, you've never been more thankful to see a diamond cutter than DDP <laughs> diamond cutters. I'm sure you're shocked. Stevie Ray <laughs> pins him and wins the war games. No post-match angle or anything. It just ends and you wonder if you're still going to watch wrestling at all after this. I remember the commentary going like, so, yeah, great. Uh, it, was kind of like, <laughs> it wasn't like a good night from whatever. Like, right, just... well, that's done. See you on Monday. Yeah. It's like they're just finishing work. And I mean, I guess if Russo's watching 98, I guess 
and he's only ever seen that year. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> fucking hell. Like, that's the worst. The worst one. You can understand why he'd want to, in quotes, break with tradition in uh, '99. <laughs> like, so Vince Russo has taken over in '99, and there is no war games at Fall Brawl because Russo didn't we'll just want to have WrestleMania. Why would it? You know what I mean? Like, just... I don't know. He's just like, well, we don't want to respect tradition, so we'll just not do a thing that's good. No, I'm. I'm I guess there's nothing more disrespectful to tradition than the fiery, slurry pit of War Games 98. Because that is just awful. How much worse could Russo have done? Well, <laughs> in 2000, we got to find out. What pay-per-view was this on? Uh, this it was, was, uh, because it was, it was definitely just, on, yeah, it was just, on Brawl, wasn't it? it was, nope. Oh, no, 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 okay. no. He gave this away for free on Nitro. Should it's not I, a pay-per-view, it's not in the Carolinas, yeah, but, at least but it is the, on crack. But at least he got the two rings on the Nitro. No, 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 it's on crack and it's insane. At least he had Hogan in that in there and some like, really big names in there. No, like, no, no. He's he already got rid of Hogan by then. That's true, at least he wasn't in the match. <laughs> ah, you say that. I can just hear him pitching it, you know, and he's like, bro, bro, what if instead of two cages, we have three cages, bro, and they're all on top of each other, bro, two teams, every bro for himself, bro, put that chronic guy in, oh, is he a team, every man for himself except chronic, bro, oh, I wish chronic, as a sidebar, were in the Jim Hurd era, because they could have done it like the Candyman. But instead of walking around like throwing sweets into the crowd, he, they could have just been high in twenty bags and like brownies <laughs> into the crowd. Class. I had never seen this war games until now, and um, I just assumed that it was the where Russo won the belt. No, um, no, that is another three cage debacle in the same month, <laughs> also on free TV. But I'd say in that one, the free TV was overcharged. So what did they do? it's really fucking hard to remember because okay. watch even one episode of nitro and so much happens in that period like this nitro alone feels like a whole month of nitros and thunders oh condensed into two hours well it was the anniversary show which i understand make a big deal and it had the wedding with uh david Fair. no that's the that's the week after oh, right okay oh well they were building it up then so but this which week... is amazing they, yeah. they will advertise for weeks that david <laughs> flair is going to get married they don't fucking advertise that they're doing some bastardized war games until you're there and you notice why are the three cages flying in the sky yeah, no, not good. And the thing, like you said, there was so much going on in this night row because I was skipping through the, the chapters to get to it. it got to be legit 20 chapters because it's a night row. And I mean, WWF's the same, like a five minute match, then an interview, then an angle, and blah, blah, blah. So much. Five minute match? You've been ambitious. <laughs> Everybody who qualifies in this War Games has to wrestle a match of their own, and the longest one is four minutes. Oh, really? There is a moment where Sting. Is against Vampiro and the Great Muta, and the match is a minute and thirty seconds. The Great Muta, at this point, he's in the Dark Carnival, so him, Vampiro, an insane clown posse, are a team. Vampiro is out there in clown paint and a fucking insane clown posse hockey shirt, still not seeming as much of a clown as Vince Russo. <laughs> you can that to do a minute and a half. Between those three, you just can hear how he booked it as well. He's like, bro, bro, you got to get all the face paint guys, bro. That's psychology. (laughs) Is there a lower point in Muta's career than when he's standing there being yelled at by Shaggy 2-Dope 
for accidentally <laughs> missing a clown-painted ICP merch-clad vampiro. What a waste. That could have made a vent. Exactly. <laughs> it would have been better than this weird fucking Crystal Maze cage game. That Can I say, though, that I did mark out that Brian Adams is in this match. Talk about pointless answers if you were going <laughs> to not know who was in a match, but I did mark. Me boy, Brian Adams... Uh, you know, kick nasty names. <laughs> no. <laughs> to be fair, I always thought Chronic were booked quite well. They just made them be big and invincible and massive and mm. throw other teams around. Like they, they did handle them well. The Goldberg qualifier is quite good, though. Mm-hmm. It has usual overbooked crap. He's against uh, Shane Douglas, and there's a load of run ins. But there's a point where Goldberg's doing the military press on someone. I think I want to say it's Thingy Sanders. Above average Mike Sanders or whatever he was called. Right. He's got him up for the military press slam and as he lets go he spears Douglas for the finish and pins him. That's cool. And it's all in one motion and that is about the only good actual wrestling moment of the show. <laughs> Unless you count Jeremy Borash looking like the, instead of the leisure suit Larry cosplay he always had on in TNA yeah. he's got like John Lennon glasses and a shaved head and a granddad suit so it's like he's in Leon while also dressed as the Quaker Oats guy it's <laughs> very weird look <laughs> Russo to give him credit on this one there is a, a story running throughout the Nitro the way they were on his roles and like he starts this by cutting a promo in this monstrous cage being flanked by virtually every trainee of the power plant ever. <laughs> Did you notice Reno, by the way? Because until recently, I forgot Reno even existed. He really looks like Sabu as a pantomime genie with a, bu- a bum bag. <laughs> or a fanny pack. People shit on Russo for the uh, cheap sports heat. I'm going to go on somewhat of a tangent to justify his sports heat here. So, as we all know, Ru- Russo is Mr. New York. He's a big fan of the Philly Eagles, and they just crushed the Cowboys recently. And uh, this is being done. He's a fan of a Philly team. In Dallas. Yeah, I know. But remember, they're not like we are about your local team sort of thing. No, you, fair you pick a franchise and all that. Yeah. Um, he starts shooting on how the Cowboys have just been crushed by the Eagles, and the Cowboys were like the darling team of America in that period. And they have a really hot rivalry with the Eagles. So that crowd heat is pretty justified. There's a line, uh, I want to say Madden says, he makes this really savage line about Michael Irvine powdering his nose. Michael Irvine was arrested with Alfredo Roberts, another player from the Cowboys, because they were found with two strippers, 10.3 grams of cocaine, (laughs) over an ounce of weed, assorted drug paraphernalia, and sex toys. Wonderful. He turned up. <laughs> he turned up to court for the charges in a mink fur coat, by the way. So like, the, oh. the, the, the cowboys in the late nineties were essentially a WCW style mess of mental drugs and sex. <laughs> like a few months earlier, just a few months earlier, Michael Irvine had stabbed one of his teammates in the neck with scissors at the barbers because his teammate wouldn't leave the chair mid shave to let him have a shave because he had seniority on the team. Like, this is a guy, when you think of all those facts I've just told you, he can't decide whether he wants to be Jake Roberts, Ric Flair, or Sid Vicious, so he just decided to be all of them in 1998. (laughs) His career ended in 99, because he's so hated he gets a headfirst tackle into the ground. They gave him temporary paralysis and a cervical spine injury that ended his career, and the crowd are cheering when he can't get up. One of his teammates called uh, called Dion goes to help him, and the crowd start chanting, Dion sucks! Dion sucks! So, like, Russo playing on that heat uh. there, 
uh, people who are shitting on that, saying it's cheap heat, don't understand sport and don't understand where they are at the time. Because even in 2021, I heard those lines about like what the how they'd crushed them and like about powder in his nose that, and I winced. But also, though, you could say that Russo shouldn't have been on TV. At well, all. <laughs> I do frequently say that. Um, he shoehorns in a reason for Ernie to not be able to save us. Because at the time, Ernie Miller is the authority figure, not just a funky ninja pimp. And he's like, Russo has an injunction from New York lawyers to basically strip power for this show, which is pretty stupid, but he's found a reason why Ernie can't go, you're not doing that. And then he wants to put Ernie in the match as well. (laughs) It's kind of weird though, because he starts announcing who's going to be in it, and he goes, the well past his prime sting. I'm like, you're in a ratings war. Why are you running down the guys you've got? WWE are calling you old and shit. Don't say it. And the old and shit sting. (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the wrestlers that I came to this company to, you know, actually work with and stuff like that as well. Like, ah, yeah, no. Like, the, you can see yeah. how second-rate the seam at the time. And Kevin Nash coming down in his Vista print looking merch that he's wearing at the time doesn't help. It, yeah, I mean, I've, I've made me feelings known on, like, WCW's presentation change, but, like, that was by far the worst WCW arena as well, just the... Cut. Just a sheet. Just a sheet. Yeah. Um, At least on Thunder they put up sparkly lights and it looked cool. This is just a big fucking sheet. Yeah. And with the little Titantron stuff. There were things that, I mean, Russo are definitely introduced, uh, you can tell, like, in, you know, in terms of like how the, the match played out. I think it got to a point where WCW were desperate for the Royal Rumble concept. Um, mm. And they were messing They'd around with fucked the, up with the World War Three since ninety five. They did, but even having Piper like turn on his own, making it every man for himself and stuff like that. Uh, I think they would just. I'd, the Rumble is such a great idea, but so is, the War Games is that's the thing. Yeah, don't don't jettison <laughs> your own good idea. The, the well, imagine th- Vince was like, I'm so jealous of War Games that I'm gonna think fuck the Royal Rumble. That's just <laughs> mental. War Games are so good. I'm never gonna do Hell in a Cell again. No. Old, I'm trying to think of like times where they've messed with the Rumble content. They, I mean, they'll... Forty men. Forty men, but that's not a huge thing. But it the, made it suck, though. The midterm, but the only, I guess, the only time they do it is when like uh, one year a wrestler will limit himself and they'll be like, "Oh, well, that doesn't count." But then the next year, Randy Savage jumping the top rope when yeah. he's with the Oko. Um, oh, well, I was thinking Randy Savage the year before where he accidentally jumps over the top rope to get to Jake. <laughs> Shit, that's the one I'm thinking of. He does it like top. He does a planchette to the outside. And the, and the, and the yeah, with the one with Yoko is because he tries to pin him, and then <laughs> somehow Yoko kicks out so hard that Randy Savage goes into space. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, but in terms of like presentation, the run, the match has a lot of energy to it, um, and uh, and it keeps the crowd the crowd on board by this. You know, but there's the spectacle of it as well in like sort of, you know... If it's an entertaining shit show spectacle, the whole trying, episode. If you're trying to do this in the... I mean, I, where was this one held? Do you know? Uh, Dallas. Oh, well... Because of the okay. Cowboys and... Of course. I, I mean, okay, if you'd have done it in uh, Winston-Salem, like the other ones, and you changed the idea of war games and you didn't put flair or... Mm, then they would really shit on that. Yeah. And this was a night as well. And again... They didn't know this was coming. Yeah, no one knew. Have you watched the Thunder and the Nitro before? They both end just with like, see you next week in Texas. 
screwed. We'll give points to Nash in this one because this is the most shoot, most realistic depiction of Kevin it's Nash. It's logical, like, you will it? ever see. He kind of cuts a shoot promo when he comes out to Russo because he, he says, I'm not a fighting champion. I refuse to defend the belt more than once a month because that's in my contract. So you can wait till day 22, day 29, hour 11. And I thought, oh, that seems realistic of Kevin Nash. <laughs> There's a there's a point where Nash tells Russo, he's like, I'm not your employee, I'm your daddy. And I guess you understand why Russo struggled to get any good heat because Kevin Nash probably controlled his thermostat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm your daddy seems to be the magical words to summon Sting from Undertaker's dust bunny domain. So there's like thunder and lightning strikes and Sting erupts through the canvas and the smoke coming out of the hole in the canvas and all I could think is Sting probably had to rip a few buckets while he's down there to set himself <laughs> up for the weird shit that he's about to climb out of him. <laughs> and the thing is as well though, Na- having Nash... Na- Nash still, still, still Nash's. He just goes... <laughs> Russo's like, no, you have to wrestle, you work for me. And Nash is like, I'm not wrestling, he just leaves. The thing is though, like... That- I mean, obviously, it seems like something Nash would do, and people are smart to Nash by this point, I, I guess. I think they were doing it deliberately, like. Yeah, but, but the thing is, though, like, if you look at, like, um, like sports, like Rocky and stuff, you haven't, champions that don't want to fight, or champions that say they've been fighting easy matches and stuff like that. Getting tomato you know, like, cans and that. Yeah, like. there's a, you can, I think you can do that in wrestling to help build your heat or build an angle to have you as a. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was done well. What's not done well, straight <laughs> afterwards, is then. Once Sting gets in Russo's face and tells him it's showtime, yeah. Russo goes up the ladder to escape into the cage above while Sting chases him up there and then Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, Ernie Miller and Booker T all arrive and then all six of the natural born thrillers come in and they all go on a chase around the Funhouse Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, I could hear the Benny Hill theme while they're all going up the ladders and going through and... By the end of that ridiculous chase and the strange fun house of horrors, I really wanted Pat Sharp to just be there singing We Don't Need Another Hero. <laughs> dumb house, whole lot of dumb, what have we done? <laughs> oh, um, I feel bad for Booker in this. Like, I feel bad for everyone involved. I think Brian Adams is probably happy to be there, though, in the main event. That's true. You know what I mean? But, but right, okay, as a, um, I don't know if you can have a phrase WCW purist because it, it could be It changes so, so much things. all the time, yeah. Uh, this would not be classed as a war games. I, I wouldn't class this as a war games. In they, name only. They call it in name, but it, it, as an entertaining idea, it's reasonable. You know what? Like, it's not as bad as 95 at all. It's not as bad as 98? Yeah. There's three, three cages, you have to climb all the way up them and keep, like get bolt cutters to open the door to the roof of each mm. cage, which I thought was pretty dumb. And when you look at some of the people in the match, you're like, well, he's not going up there, Nash. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I'll get to that. But uh, aye, you have to get on top of the third cage at the top, by which point you are shit in your pants because mm. you are so high. And you have to get a, a belt from above the, the top The downward-facing camera angle, it was just It's like, terrifying, isn't it? Brooker T is a brave man when he goes up there, but my God... Yeah, you have to get the belt. But even getting the belt doesn't make you win. You have to come all the way mm. back down and leave the cage with the belt. Yeah. I'm sure people have a lot of questions here. Just a small thing before we start on it is they did not think of how they were going to light this 
because how it, could it you was like, like this? It was like a load of clouds over. The, it just got dark, but not in so a, high. Yeah, not in like a sort of um, a, a demonic evil way, or like a really good. No, just like you're higher than the lights. Yeah, basically, it, and it looked it looked bad, like on TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, right? Did you find it really difficult to tell what's going on in the match itself? Um, to a point, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes in a lot of the War Games matches if the camera is outside of the ring. That's why I feel like some of the finishes fall flat because someone uh, has given up and it takes buffer know. to announce. Yeah, you know, before like a reaction happens. But yeah, no, there's so much. Go- it's such a mess. There's there's like, like three cages and people are in them. You can do a split screen, maybe. So and out of them, as it's like. There's one point where, like, Chronic evented together, so they clearly count as one person for this match since there's no other tag teams in it, and everyone else comes in by themselves. And, like, Chronic are in one bit, Steiner's up in the top using both cutters to try and cut through, Sting and Jarrett are fighting at the bottom, the Harris brothers come in even though they didn't qualify, because fuck it, there's not enough neo-Nazis in this match. I was going to say, I love that crushed ball and skull that all in this match, I didn't mark out over that. (laughs) I mean, um, if, if you're into Nazis, <laughs> I guess that's big, your thing. Big biker, heavy dudes. Uh, right, um, they're all bald. <laughs> I, I think that when The Rock did that Armageddon promo, he's like, rage in the cage, penis in your anus. This must be penis in your anus. Because <laughs> what are we looking at? Yeah. Goldberg. Sorry, you can, go on. Can I say, though, like, where do you start? Like, I, I know there's, like, room in between, though, but, like, in terms of, like, a lot of these multi-man matches now get criticised for... Everyone lies outside the ring while two wrestlers are doing the spot and stuff like that. Mm. Like the ladder matches or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the entire opposite of that. Every cunt's going at it full. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of prefer that in a way because at least it feels... Because then like you can just focus on what's important with the camera. And then and the thing is as well, though, the, the aim of it is to try and climb up the cage or the ladder or whatever. To so in reality, why fight at all? Just run away and go at the top. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... the. I don't think there's anything wrong. That's why the the Bret Hart cage matches from Sunday Night 4 is brilliant because they are trying to escape at every opportunity. Which is what you should be doing because you're trying to win. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, just a sidebar on that. No, no, I agree. Uh, uh, Goldberg has spared most of this kind of badiators challenge because <laughs> he gets handcuffed to the wall so he is spared the indignity of participating in WCW Ninja Warrior. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he's handcuffed. I want to say Booker gets to the top and gets the belt. He does. And as he's coming down, it just like drops and it falls to the cage and Vince Russo picks it up and for a horrifying moment you think, oh my God, Vince Russo is about to become world champion. But don't worry, they wait three weeks till my birthday <laughs> to do that in a different triple cage match. I didn't notice that. The one thing I did notice is that Sting's ready to whack someone with the trash can but he didn't realise the roof's only. Because Tony's like, Sting's got the trash can. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the trash compacted. <laughs> we are spared this championship run by Ernie Miller coming in and kicking Russo's fucking head off. Even though he's wearing a hockey helmet. That's got to have done some damage. He hits a beautiful kick. And like Miller used to hit the most beautiful kicks that Oro has just pulled and I felt like he just full force hoofed <laughs> hoofed Russo in the heat at this point but by him doing that Goldberg has a really cool moment where he snaps the handcuffs doesn't he yeah. he bursts out and you're like this is the moment Big Bad Bill is gonna win the belt that's it during all this time Nash is stood at the door not moving yeah Nash doing <laughs> the most Nash performance ever waits outside the ring the entire time 
And as Goldberg goes to leave to win with the belt, Bret Hart pops up <laughs> and slams the door and on then, Goldberg's and head. And then Bret Hart pops up, and then, <laughs> and then another thing, and then they just... He, he, then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He slams the door on Goldberg's head, and uh, Nash, in the most Nash title win ever, refuses to wrestle, stands outside the entire time, and then is handed the belt and made the champion. That is the most honest Kevin Nash match you'll ever see. Also, the commentary does a really good job of explaining the the psychology behind that. Because like, you would, like, you, you would though, wouldn't you? you? I think fuck this, let those idiots yeah. kill themselves. I'm waiting here. <laughs> but yeah, no, good stuff. Um, the only thing I didn't like was Nash wasn't funny animated enough. He was just stood he's there. just stood there being boring. Yeah, yeah, he should have actually made a bit of a show of doing fuck all. He could have like he could have sparked up or something like that, where he start drinking a tinny while he's standing out there. But what I will say is this is so much better than the episode that came before it, which I'm going to show you after the show because oh, it's please. fucking yeah. bizarre. Uh, in that, there's a really there's a dubious line. Well, there's many. But the main plot of the episode before was that Goldberg's going to bury Vince Russo in the desert. <laughs> and when you get into, like, the money shot of it, yeah. like, Russo is lying nearly dead in the desert. Goldberg's out there with his shovel. Bret Hart just wanders up in his Bret Hart gear and all that. Just in the middle of the fucking desert, like the Indian on Wayne's World 2. <laughs> and he just turns up and he's like, yeah, you should bury him. I've never hated anyone more than I hate him for the Montreal Screwjob. And you're like... All right, okay, he's still bringing that shit up in 2000. And then he swerves Goldberg and hits Goldberg with a spade to save Vince Russo. But he goes, so you like ending careers, do you, Bill? <laughs> Aye. It's ominous. Yeah. Did you ever see the Bret Hart shirt that he had in WCW where it was him in front of an American flag? <laughs> no. Why, why, why? Just why? I don't know. I would really hope he wore that on TV one point, but no, there was I'm pretty sure he didn't. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would actually still recommend going to watch that one. It's a, an absolute fever dream, but it has entertainment value, whereas like, the match in 98 is shite. That's the thing. Like, I think people will have an automatic... Again, because of WWE... Like, if you just say the words WCW 2000, you're going to think shit show. But, like, you... There's also good periods where Russo's not booking. You know, where whenever he didn't be... get his own way and he fucks off and Kevin Sullivan takes over. But... A shit show can be very entertaining. <laughs> this is an entertaining shit show. The whole episode is. Yeah. It's like War Games 98. I mean, it's entertaining telling you how shit it is, yeah. but watching it, it's just shit. Yeah. No, I get, yeah, um, 98's the fucking worst. Ni- and, and, 96 is the best. And you can't go, like, so you can't go into this in any way thinking that this is a War Games. Um, yeah. If you look at it as a triple cage, like, I was talking to my sister about it, and I was like, do you remember watching on... After after Cartoon Network finished, can you remember? And she was like, "Was there a three cages one that was so stupid but strangely good?" I was like, "Yes, there was." And showed her a picture. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's uh, the the later the latter WCW uh, war games. You know, but looking at them now, especially looking at the two thousand one, certainly not as bad as as I expected. Mm-hmm. It to be. And it has entertainment value. Unfairly, it's exciting. Unfairly going into it, you know, ninety five is. Probably the worst one, I would say. Do you think that's worse than the one in 98? Because of the quality of names. like uh, you know, See, I found it just passable because it's just a war games match that's okay. That is true. Yeah, it is very traditional war games. Which, that, for me, made it be like, this is okay. Mm. But, for me, the lack of crowd enthusiasm goes a long way. That does hurt a time, looking strictly at the match, not the book and all the crowd response. Mm. Like, um, 98 it's just bad in every way 
Yeah, but again, though, 98 has a curiosity factor of all them huge names. And, and somehow Stevie it's Ray. still so terrible. And, uh, <laughs> Stevie Ray. <laughs> Hall of Famer? Like, is everyone in that much probably in the Hall of Fame? Probably. Um, I, I fucking love Stevie Ray, though. <laughs> oh, he's great. Um, but the, it's the idea of so many legitimate egos not wanting to help or sell or do anything to like, <laughs> make the match any good. So it is one of those, like, you know, uh, too many colours makes brown. Um, <laughs> it's just like it should have been who's going to win this war games who's going to get pinned suckers got to know speaks to Stevie Ray because he'd have been like I'll get pinned I don't care I'm getting pinned off on the biggest names in the company I know who gives a shit for in the main event for a load of money whereas everyone's like I'm not doing this finish just yeah like, I know I... imagine being a hooker <coughs> for that match like, I'd <laughs> rather not no wonder Bischoff went grey I mean I don't know if he's still around at that point He's, he was still around then. I'm surprised around. he hadn't gone bald, to be honest, trying to do that. I mean, Jim Hurd trying to do that, he fucking had a heart attack, I think. <laughs> but at least Chronic would have given out free weed. <laughs> so, yeah, on that note. <laughs> Aye, en- enjoy Blood and Guts. I- I'm going to give it a go, although that's been lacking in build and story, but I don't want to get into that too th- much on here. Yeah, I think it'll have the so- the soul of WCW. It'll be a good it. spectacle. It's just not what you want it to be. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back Buffer for it. That would be good. Or um, JJ, like you were saying, for JJ, the coin flip. And, um, the yeah. time cost. Because <laughs> the, the WWE war games, I'm sure they're perfectly good for what they are. But like, I think just... we should do a show one day on war games outside of WCW and NWA. Because mm-hmm. like, there's that one at MLW, there's three in NXT, there's going to be this one. There was even the Smoky Mountain one on the war games DVD, which I'm kind yeah, of intrigued yeah. by. So like, you know, um... The ECW variants on it, the TNA variants on it, we can look at that. Yeah, and, and as well, because I mean, we've got so many ideas for shows, but if there's anything you specifically want us to get into, I mean, oh, definitely. As, as long as it's not... God, something new. <laughs> if it's new, we probably don't know or don't care. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. We like being able to provide context as well, hopefully. and you know, It's hard to provide context for stuff that's still a rumour. Like, <laughs> if we go back to TNA in the 2000s, WWF, WCW in the 90s, NWA in the 80s, we have the context for it. Yeah. So and as well, if you've got any questions, if you, what was your favorite war games uh, of all time, or from those ones, uh, what was your least favorite war games? Uh, yeah, feel free to get in touch uh, at uh, uh, Turnchuckle on Instagram, where I announce guests, uh, show random bits of merchandise, all that kind of thing, and uh, Tempest. And if you want an offensive answer that tells you you're wrong, tweet at Geordie Cowboy Al and you won't be disappointed because I will be a dick. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think we're... Uh think we've covered everything we could possibly need. That's the point of these shows. We're going to go into such minute detail <laughs> on, on certain subjects uh, that they'll never need to be talked about ever again, I don't think. Um, but it, we, we love covering things that we get a kick out of or things that like bring us like endless amounts of nostalgia and stuff like that. We talk about it with love, even the shite things. I even enjoy laughing at the stuff that shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to uh, thank you all for tuning in and uh, any last words? Before we have a drink and watch a terrible night. <laughs> <laughs> no, on that note, let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you again and we will see you all next week.